Tune in to the Neil Prendeville Show weekdays from 9am on Cork's Red FM. Talk about the weather all day, really, and the papers love to talk about the weather. And I was uh, reading overnight, well, last night and again, so earlier this morning, that in the southeast of England over the coming days, they're going to get highs of 33 to 34 degrees. So they really are heading in to a heat wave. Nothing like that for us anytime soon. But the papers are saying that the sun is on the rise again and the mercury is set to rocket uh, the mirror says it will sizzle to 25 degrees later in the week thanks to mild and humid conditions. But it seems as if the best of that weather will be in the north, further north you go. Um, and they're talking actually about the northwest, some of the drier and brighter spells. So the further south, we're not, we're certainly not going to get any kind of a scorcher in any way, shape or form. Uh, I'd love to be proved wrong on that. But the sun will rise again and tomorrow and Thursday hopefully will be a bit better. So some issues with regards to the forecasts and papers that love... Um, that love uh, covering the weather. Papers also love covering, covering court reports, and there's an astonishing one in the Echo this morning um, for lots of different reasons. It was a case up before Judge Olin Keller- Kelleher yesterday, and a man, he got 20 months jail, right? And he pointed across the courtroom at one stage at a sergeant in the witness box um, as he was being brought into custody, pointed. But he denied that he was actually making a threat against the guard. A guy called Mark Duggan from Mayfield, he was grumbling and pointing, pointing over at the guard. And the judge said, Olin Kelleher turned around and said to him, are you threatening this man? The judge said to him in court. And Duggan spoke loudly from the dock and he said, I'm not threatening him. Do I look like I'm effing threatening him? So anyway, was, uh, there was a sentence being imposed after that exchange, a sentence of 10 months for driving while disqualified. Uh, and he made the, conse- the sentence then th- to run consecutive then with another 10 months for a burglary and several other theft charges. But as I was reading the court report, and the Echo has it on the front and inside pages today, uh, Duggan had stolen about €1,400 Euro worth of property from various shops, and, and none of it was ever paid back. Um, and Duggan said to the judge at one stage, you're full of it, he said to the judge. Like, that doesn't go down well with the judge when you're being sentenced. You're better off zipping it. One of them was in cost cutters where he reached over the counter, opened the till and grabbed 300 euro in cash. But then they went on to talk of uh, other um, kind of burglary sprees the guy was on. He stole three bottles of Ralph Lauren aftershave at Lloyd's Pharmacy in Middleton, dropped them when he was approached by a member of staff. He went to Boots in Middleton and stole gift sets and razors. He stole six bottles of Calvin Klein aftershave at the Old Yall Road. He stole a bottle of vodka from Aldi in Ballyvalan, six bottles of Versace pet perfume from Boots on Patrick Street, went back again two days later and stole another five bottles of Millions perfume. Um, the sergeant who was going through this said the total value was around €1,421. He had 248 previous convictions, including 11 for burglary, 131 for theft, 10 for driving without insurance, and other drug offences, including um, different... Um, um, prescription medication and tablets that were found on his on his person um, and he was up before the court yesterday with that long list of previous and he got himself uh, 20 months um, be interesting to see how long uh, he'll actually serve because we've been seeing a lot le- recently with uh, you know automatic discounting and then time off for, for good behaviour hope he learn you know that um, crime doesn't pay it really doesn't in the end have you ever watched all of those television shows of people who are involved in gangland activity or you know, drug dealers or drug mules they have terrible lives don't they they're really depressing lives they, they spend their whole lives nervous and worried and looking over their shoulders and paranoid tonight's bonfire night and that's why we all need to be very careful Cork City Council the fire brigade the guards are asking people to be responsible on bonfire night it takes place tonight particularly the frontline workers who in the echo this morning are making an appeal via video to the people of Cork asking them 
to be responsible and not to light bonfires tonight. Good luck with that one. I don't think they'll... Uh, they may have an, it might have an effect on some people, but undoubtedly there still will be bonfires. As to whether we'll be having a bonfire of the vanities or celebrating a new government or not, I don't know. Um, as to whether they'll get it over the line. Um, but they're, they're, there's still talk that the Greens won't go for it, that all of Fine Gael won't go for it. Uh, and Papers is talking about that in quite some detail. But that horror, horrible death of that unfortunate mother, uh, she um, was slain with a samurai sword. And the tabloids have it on their front pages this morning. Um, it was a house of horrors. And apparently um, a, a very, very, very troublesome household for, for many years from what I was reading yesterday but the husband of the woman killed in her home with the samurai sword lost his job as a taxi man due to the COVID-19 pandemic before her death. Now the full story um, makes the tabloids th- as much as they can tell um, but uh, as to whether or not the loss of a job and COVID-19 and lockdown had anything to do with his state of mind I do not know. The HSE are being accused of a cover-up. It's quite interesting because the mail is saying today that that a patient abscond a patient who had COVID nineteen absconded from a facility for addicts and went into a nursing home campus where twenty four residents then died from the virus. And the mail says that a vulnerable patient with coronavirus hopped the wall at a centre in the Phoenix Park. Um, and went into the nursing home, which was just a six-minute walk away. And I suppose what they're alluding is, was that he brought it in to the nursing home. Lots of places regarding, um, you know, reopening of the world make all of the papers these days. Like, for instance, July 4th now is the date that all of the UK gets back to normal. They've passed us out again now. They're faster than us again in spite of all of their deaths. Uh, and everything pretty much opens in the UK on July 4th, including you know, cinemas and you know, pubs and, uh, and everything. Disneyland Paris is opening on the 15th, if you want to fly there. I wonder what will happen with the two-week uh, quarantine, recommended quarantine when you come back. But there's a great story in the Examiner where Cork County Council, don't you love these kind of proactive stories? They've launched a website now, and uh, not before time, but it's a website launched to um, target people online uh, to reop- for reopening businesses and to capitalize on staycationing. Um, as well as maybe foreign tourists once it's feasible for them to come to the beautiful county of Cork. It's called Rediscover County Cork. It's got 600 attractions in the county and links to all of the accommodation, all of the bars, all of the restaurants. It's like a go-to spot where you can be taken directly to the attraction or the accommodation or the bar or the restaurant just by clicking on a link. It's a brilliant idea. All of the salons are ready to open. Overseas, when salons opened in some countries, they opened on the dot of midnight. I wonder are there any salons in Cork that will open on midnight Sunday night into sun, into Monday morning? Be interesting, wouldn't it? There's been a low take-up of, uh, of face masks, according to the papers today. I'll come back to some shopping narratives and stories from the, the streets of Cork throughout the programme this morning that I see. But um, there's been a 33,000 drop now in the amount of people getting COVID unemployment benefit it just last week alone because it means more and more people are going back to work. But the papers also say that if you want the key to romance inside the bedroom and in your life in general, uh, doing more chores, gentlemen, is the way to get into your partner's heart and to get a bit more loving, apparently. Good news for husbands. If you begrudgingly put the bins out when you're asked to, which you shouldn't be asked, have to be asked for in the first place, then the upside to it is your partner will love you all the more for it. 
So bins, chores around the house, hoovering, filling, emptying the dishwasher, you know, hanging pictures, all those pesky jobs. She loved you all the more for it. And you know what the biggest manual that sold over the last three months? It wasn't DIY repairs to your car. It wasn't how to do different things around the house. It was a DIY guide to rearing chickens. Honestly. And if that wasn't enough for you, apparently divorce could be worse for your health than alcohol. Uh, 44% of those who are divorced, according to the mail, um, lose all will to live, lose all sorts of physical contact with way too many people, lose moral support, and die early. <laughs> Work hard on your relationship. The Neil Prenderville Show. With Tesco, we'd like to ask all our customers to respect our dedicated times for our over 65s and family carers. Okay, lines open at one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. You can text 086-8104-106 on a busy morning this morning. I didn't get to everything yesterday, and amongst them was David Francis, who sent me a very interesting uh, email on, on what he calls the state hypocrisy, and he joins me by phone. David, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? Good, my friend. When you say state hypocrisy, rather than me reading out your email, what do you mean? Well, uh, I suppose, in a sense, I don't know what I label it as a state uh, hypocrisy, so to speak, Neil. But I genuinely uh, had a lot of uh, inquiries into the post that that I did share. And I shared it for the reason because uh, of the funeral that took place, of course, for um, the guard that uh, unfortunately lost his life in tragic circumstances in County Roscommon. Now, uh, due to the coronavirus, uh, a lot of people, uh, of course, have been affected um, with events such as funerals. And uh, I believed personally, uh, and many others had believed, that 20 to 30 people was was the maximum number to be in attendance for something like this, whether it was a state funeral or not. Mm. You know, you, and, but uh, what you observed was a million miles from that, right? Uh, abs- absolutely, Neil. Absolutely, and 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 uh, the main point, I suppose, when I speak in in, in the post I made, um, was uh, the, some of the people who contacted me had had families. You know, we're, we're Irish people, Neil. We, we saw a lot of us have had big families. You know, and uh, to, to narrow down families to, uh, to a number of twenty to attend a funeral is 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 crazy. And and I I suppose the main theme of some of the people that I was speaking to and who got in contact with me was how they lost their heroes and their loved ones. And listen, I suppose I said it best in it, what is good enough for, for I suppose, them is good enough for us. And, and I don't mean to be coming across as in, in a negative way, in any way, shape or form. The guard lost his life in a tragic circumstance and any of us would stand uh, with any members of organisations to say, GAA are, are unbelievable in our country for doing things like that. They'd come out in droves if they lost a member or, or someone close to them. And the guard here, right, rightly so, have done the same. Mm. Um, however, maybe in the, wrong, in the wrong way at the wrong time, uh, it's putting across a message to the people that uh, they can do it and I suppose we can't uh, to a degree, you know. And Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a del- it's a delicate topic considering the death of Colm Horkin, but he, I, and I, I appreciate that it was a member of the Garda Shikana lost in the line of duty. But you're saying it's hypocritical at the same time. You say, "Do as I say, not as I do," comes to mind. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, they were my exact words, Neil. You're spot on. Um, it seems to be, and you know, I'm not going to raise raise names, but you'll see in w- one part of my post there that there was a gentleman from Dublin who got in contact with me, and it's rather large. I'll nearly send it on to your producers later on so you can see it. But the gentleman himself 
can see a member of the Gardaí in the photo that actually fined him for doing the exact same thing. Mm, is that true, do you think, yeah? I, I, I have no, no reason to disbelieve it uh, at this moment in time, Neil. You know, he he I, got fined for what? Standing too close to someone? He, he, he got fined for refusing to turn, turn back because he was outside of his county. Um, now, at the end of the day, the, Garda, the member of the Garda, he was doing his job. But uh, I you, don't think, okay. he, you don't think that these are very exceptional circumstances, that it was a member of the Garda Shikona out on duty to protect the people who was shot and killed, uh, a fallen brother, as you added, as you actually said in your own email, that it was yes. ex- there were exceptional circumstances um, deemed an exceptional response, no? Um, I think... Or is uh, it enforce the rules or throw them out the window for everyone, which? That's, that's, I go with, with, the end, with the end of my post there, Neil. If it's good enough for you, it's good enough for me. If it's good enough for them, it's good, for, it's good enough for us all. Um, you mentioned exceptional circumstances there. I think it's an absolute exceptional circumstance when someone in their family has lost a grandfather figure who's the head of a family and has been for years, and then they have to turn around, a family of 60 to 70 people have to turn around and narrow down nieces, nephews, uncles and aunts to attend the funeral. Yes, yes, I, yes. That's where I have an issue. And, and is, are, is it particularly the, 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 the photo and the videos that we saw of the hearse with everybody behind it and everybody very close all packed together? Uh, yeah, yeah, in particular, uh, Neil, I suppose so, but I go on, you see, and this is where I don't want to turn it into, and I don't want to make myself on how you're there either to be this big negative, uh, coming at it from a negative angle. I'm coming at it severely from the point of view that these are the guys enforcing the rules for the authorities and the government above them. These, these, are, these are the guys. And, and at the end of the day, how would you say, are, we here, are they there to set examples, so to speak? Can, can they lead by the example that they're actually enforcing on others? Uh, I understand you mentioned it's exceptional circumstances. It shouldn't happen at all. Uh, I, I, I have questions around it myself. Maybe the Garda member, whether he was on duty or not at the time, why approach someone on his own? You know, we're not going to go into that now. No, I mean, that's, it's, for, it's, that's, that's for another day. But he had the bravery exactly. to do it. And I, I believe maybe that this character was known to many people and didn't and never in the past posed a threat, you see. And, mm-hmm. and Colin may have thought he was approachable. God knows. We, we know what happened yeah. now. But... He probably thought, sure, this guy just rants and raves, I can calm him down, and he might have even been going to help him, you know? Indeed, no, I mean, I heavily agree with your statement there, you're, you're fully correct there, I, 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 I do agree with that. But to answer uh, your previous question, Neil, you, you mentioned about the horse and with the pictures and the videos, was, was that one of the bigger issues? Yes, but you'd also go, I, I'd go to add maybe some of the videos that were floating around, and this is where I meant they're rightly so, where I defended the Gardaí in the sense that they had to stand by their member and their brother in, in the organisation. But there's many videos going around where um, one it happened in Cork in, in, in a couple of places. I've seen the videos where the Gardaí have, uh, you know, maybe a piece of music or, or, or they have um, an honour outside their, their barracks. Um, they did, so absolutely. On Sunday, all of the guys' yeah. barracks, the flags flew at half-mast and members of the force came out. There was a 60-second silence in tribute to him. Yeah. Absolutely, and, and that, that, that's amazing. But again, some of these social distancing rules, so to speak, or some of these uh, restrictions are, are not enforced and clear, and clear to be seen. Uh, in and the responses you got from people where you say, you know, state funeral or no state funeral rules should apply to one and all. Did you get many people agreeing with you, I wonder? 
Um, it's going to be interesting throughout the day. I made the post late, late at night, on, especially on Facebook, and, and that's where I'd have maybe the, more of a bigger following. But I, I also have a, a private group I post in, and I'm on other social media platforms. So it will be interesting throughout the day as to what happens. But what led me to, to making a post of that nature was who have contacted me already. I had spoken to... to, to um, I won't name the person. But Not interested in names, there. just their own thoughts. Yeah, exactly. But I spoke to one of your producers about it there, and it's something that I can't go into due to confidentiality. But a, mem- a member, a member of the emergency services in Cork, in Cork, contacted an organisation, shall we say, um, re- regarding this issue, mm. and was very, very distraught and upset about it, having buried a colleague where they were told that they could only have 20 people in attendance mm. on, only, only two days prior. Mm. Now, uh, Neil, I bet personally, or at least professionally, you know exactly what I'm on about, but you, you would do so if I was able to name it. And, oh, no, and I mean, you give, me, you give me the gist, the gist of, yeah. her ups, of her or his upset. I don't know which, but um, uh, certainly. Just, just hold on, because I understand that it's, 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 quite a delicate, it's a quite a delicate subject, because I, I saw the videos, I saw the footage, I saw the photographs, I saw the huge amounts of people who came out in sympathy there are those that, those that would suggest now that that would lead to uh, other people maybe deciding, oh, for God's sake, sure, like nobody's, nobody's abiding by social distancing. I won't bother either. And just hold on a second. Damien. Hi, Neil. How you doing? Okay, it's good to get both sides. You would, you would disagree with what David is saying in yeah, some way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I hate quoting um, Conor McGregor, but who the F is this guy like? Conor, well, he, uh, Colin Harkin was executed. He wasn't killed, guys. He was executed doing his job. Right. It's as simple as that. And the guidance for funerals is 20 in the church. And it wasn't a state funeral, because if it was a state funeral, there would have been 10,000 Gardaí marching in front of him. Okay? Right. So at the end of the day, that's what happened here. Okay? And social distancing was in place. The Gardaí in the region were there. Well, I will will say one thing. I thought it was a beautiful thing. To see the tricolour upon his coffin, I thought that was a wonderful tribute. He, he certainly okay. It, it, it was a semi-state. Yeah, no, in, no, in the sense that he he certainly deserved that, and any other That's fallen. But he deserved, but he deserved a lot more. Okay, Keishik wasn't there. I thought that was a disgrace, personally. Michael D couldn't travel. Obviously, he's, he's probably still going. That's fine. But like for this chap, David or whatever his name is, to come on and, and, and attack that. I mean, David, are you walking around to the beaches now, attacking all the people that are? And flaunting social distancing and in the shops and in certain estates having parties. Come on, man. You know what I mean? It's the same. This is Ireland all over. We're, we're, we're a country of grievances, okay? 115 soldiers came back um, from the lab yesterday. Yeah. Visit, and not one person is roaring are they, are they quarantining. But 100 odd poor lads from Bulgaria came over to do a work on and there was outrage because we're all racist and the same people have uh, Black Lives Matter up now. People need to cop on. I think the, the one thing I've learned from the coronavirus is that how many stupid people surround me on a daily basis. I don't mean at work, I mean in general around Cork and other areas. How do you mean? Swab the cop on. How do you mean? Like, uh, people like... have the ultimate of double standards for everything. They're just idiots. Simple as that. I mean, to come on here now and attack a funeral of a man who was executed because of social uh, distancing. Like, does anyone understand how coronavirus works? If I stand three feet from you, it doesn't spark coronavirus, okay, in the first instance. It's about managing the load. Simple as that. 
So it's not reasonable, even this is a very delicate topic and I appreciate that and it's absolutely tragic, but it's not reasonable for a member of the public in a democratic country to be able to say, listen, this physical distance thing is a load of nonsense, particularly with regards to funerals and loved ones who are being told they can only have 20 or 30 at a funeral when we see videos and photos. That's what he's doing. He's selecting Colin Harkin's funeral and comparing it to a funeral of a couple of days ago. No, and he, no, no. What, he, what he's doing is, and I'm, I'm really, really, I want to emphasize this, but not for a moment in any way, shape or form, taking from the tragic circumstances into this Garda's death, a wonderful, wonderful man. But mm-hmm. what he's doing is he, he's saying the amount of people at it, the amount of people at it and, and, the, and the manner in which they were at it, state funeral, no state funeral, funeral, is hypocrisy. When the law is very, very, well, the, the guidelines are very strange okay. when it comes to everybody has, else's has funeral and everybody else's has, loved one. Has David, hang on now, has David written a post to Paddy Point about recent funerals of their community? Ask him. Well, has he raised that issue? Have you, David? Have I? No, but I'd certainly like no, to no, comment on some answer, of the things that Damien has answer. said there. Yeah, know? go ahead. I mean, like, yeah, go ahead, respond. You know, it's funny that he seems to be very agitated by what has been said there, but he's certainly, I suppose, not fully aware of the post. You know, you're coming at angles of the post in certain ways there. I'm not saying that you are now, Neil, but, you know, the people are not getting the full understanding of what is actually written in it, you know, and, and as you see clearly yourself, it's explained very well the point that I'm making. But uh, it, All it the people matter. who lost their loved ones have to pick which family members will attend. This mentally and emotionally will impact their lives for a long time somebody somewhere with the so-called power to do or say anything will you open your bloody mouths because this charade has to stop exactly Damien mentioned and he's going to be surprised because I agree with a hell of a lot of what he's actually said I'm aware of what happened in, 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 in Pabby Point there he mentioned something to do with the beach and people go to shops and localities you'll see uh, sorry in, into their localities um, in communities and shops uh, as he mentioned yes that point I wanted to speak on that I, I said it in the post what is, what's a rule for one should be a rule for all. So yes, Damien, that does apply to all of those. It does apply to the people uh, at Paddy Point. Why are you selecting the Colum Harkin funeral? It, it happened to be the point in which uh, that I, I spoke about because it's not only me that is me that is not genuinely satisfied with it. There's nobody condemning. There's nobody condemning the practice. Of, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't right, 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 right. Right. Speaking. Right, you can come back, Damien. You can come back. You can come back. Damien, you can come you back know? in a second. Go on, finish it, Damien. You know, I didn't interrupt him now when he was speaking, and he came on there with, with an agenda, to be truthful. From, I can tell by the tone of his voice. But I, there's, there's, there's really no issue here in the sense as to how that man got a send-off in any other circumstance and a different climate. I agree completely the man possibly deserved more. Indeed, with, with government representation, the man did die and lost his life while working on the front line. Mm. That's exactly what happened. But the point, and this is the point, and he mentioned about coronavirus. Uh, I can heavily speak about that in a few minutes too and contradict some of the points that he made. But we're talking about a specific thing here. And I'm speaking in general about the people that are losing their lives. Does he know about the, about the amount of people who've committed suicide? since this pandemic? Does he know about the amount of people that have attended um, psychiatric assistance since this coronavirus? He's come on here with a very argumentative tone 
without accepting or knowing the point that's been made. And I, I, I find that he, he's come at me in that sense as, as to making the point that I have. He doesn't even understand the point in which is being made. The point is, the po- the point uh, let me just make made. that, Damien. The point is, he's saying, enforce the rule or throw it out the window for everybody. Why wasn't he making that point? No, 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 forget about all that other stuff. Forget about, I'm just dealing with but, this. But, 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 I, but I absolutely agree, Neil. I, I, I think the leaving search should be on. There's no reason why you can't. Young fellas are congregating anyway. Schools should be open. You know, let's just move on with it. No, but did, no, but did anybody find anyway. it Did anybody find it extraordinary at all or question, in spite of the tragic circumstances in which this wonderful man died, that there were so many people... But uh, Neil... At Before I was interrupted, I was trying to make the point. How many people were at the funeral? Okay, I'm going to. I have to go to. I'm a godfather for a child this weekend. My brother's um, daughter. There's a, a small number of allowed in the church, but everybody else would be allowed outside. And that's what happened with Colin Harkins' funeral. There was a small number allowed in the church. Okay, and again, you know, it's not being scientific. Scientific. They're just picking a number. Nineteen doesn't save you. Twenty-one doesn't cause it. You know what I mean? They're just picking numbers, so people have to apply common sense. But what I'm saying is. How do we know how many people were inside the church? Because the pictures we saw were of everybody else lying in the street, which is no different to going about your daily business all day. And that's it. There was social distancing there. And I think it's an absolute disgrace for anyone to pick on that example for a man who was executed, who went to work. Maybe the cam- maybe the photographs of the camera angles showed that they weren't physically distanced from each other. Maybe, you know, you'd have to be there physically to see, you know. It didn't look... To me, as if there was a whole lot of separation between people, but maybe it was just extra, an, ex, ex, an exceptional circumstance. You know? Maybe so, but I just think that to come on and pick on that example, it was not a state funeral. 10,000 members of, of, of Garish Chicana should have been up there. That's what a proper state funeral would have been. Okay, it wasn't. It was a light version. And I personally think that the powers of be should have had the cojones to come out and do it anyway. Because the general Joe public obeying every rule there, you know they aren't obeying every rule. They're not. No, 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 no. You know? Okay, okay, all right. Good thought. Do you want d- d- thanks, Damien. Did you want to finish on something to do with coronavirus, David? Indeed, yeah, no, we talk about that. But it was something that uh, just Damien said there. Now he, he raised a lot of very good points, and he, he's probably amazed to hear that I agree with about eighty percent of what he has actually stated. But as you see in the post again, you see, it's very very hard if people don't read it or see it for themselves. But it says, it says, state or no state funeral. I'm sure you can confirm that for me, Neil. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But you know, uh, it's hard when people come on and and get an impression like that because he was maybe a little off with with where that was coming from. There's there's nobody coming on here attacking somebody who was executed in in the line line of duty. duty. Yeah, okay. It's it's very very easily done. But he did mention coronavirus. How smart the virus is. Is Neil, you know, this virus is more intelligent than any man I've ever met in Ireland because uh, this virus is able to tell the distance whether it's inside or outside of a church. Because I saw uh, thousands of people, thousands of people cluttered behind a horse uh, as you have done so yourself. Mm. So, uh, what's the difference if those thousands of people that are standing around each other, as the gentleman raised himself, Damien, there, what's the difference if they're standing out in the middle of the bloody road or inside in a church? What is the difference? And he's missing the whole point entirely, that there is a big difference. He said he's surrounded by stupid people. He said in Cork, how dare he actually categorise the Irish public as stupid people. But I'm telling you, we must be. Because I, 
you wanted me to go on uh, and, and finish on the point that I, I mentioned beforehand with coronavirus. Like, we're, we're really, we're, we're really, really, I, I, I think, uh, going around in circles with it. Uh, we, 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 have, we have no real top ex- expert in this country that is able to come out here uh, and actually say what the hell is going on. And I went back but to... But you know what's going on. Like, what don't you want to know? I'll try and help you with that. We're trying to keep oh, the numbers below one. We're trying to see it off. It may well come back again in the autumn and we'll know how to deal with it then. We need to get businesses yeah. open now because they're strangled and inevitably, if they don't get open, they'll go bust. So it's as well to open up everything now, let people get on with it, control any kind of a, a spike that we might have and it probably will be in specific areas like clusters. Attack the cluster areas and let everybody get on with their lives and hopefully in the autumn control it that way. Oh, absolutely. No, I, I know what you mean. So there. You've actually mentioned some of the points I was going to raise. So that's, see, when, that's when, the, when the World but, Health but Organization... But that's the plan, Mike. That's the plan. We... The plan. It is, yeah. But when the World Health Organization come out on the 5th, I'm sorry, the 14th of June with Dr. Maria... Um, doc, what's I giving her name to you? Dr. Maria Van Kerkhove. When she can come out from the World Health Organization and contradict everything said from the 1st of February by saying that asymptomatic cases are not infectious... Uh, like it is right. a hell of, from the from the data from the data that the world okay, has let's not, let's, not get too, let's get not too broad on this though. Do you know anybody that actually has coronavirus or not, had? Not, not one person, Neil. But I'm, uh, unfortunately, Neil, there now you, 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 you're shutting me down before I make the point that I wanted to make. Make uh, it briefly, then. I, yeah, make I, it briefly. I don't know. I don't know. Is that from people above you, or you might be worried about what I'm going to say? This is coming from the World Health Organization. This is coming from them. Not from me, from Dr. Maria Van Kerkhove. You can get your researchers to look it up. And the Irish media are not sharing it. I've also spoken to a doctor in America. And you, you what does it mean? What, what do you mean? What do you mean? What do you mean by asymptomatic people cannot spread the virus? What do you mean? People who do not have the symptoms of this can't spread it is basically what they're saying. If you do not have fever, chills, shortage of breath... Should we know the that? Risk is, the risk is rare for, for basically none, none of this exists. Uh, in in the cases that they're bringing up, this is that which you only know since the 14th of June, Neil. This has only been this has only been put out there from the World Health Organization. Right. Okay, okay. And you know, and and, and Doctor, uh, when I spoke with Doctor David Samadi, who who is a accredited urologist and the chief of surgery at Lennox Hill Hospital, you will hear it. Uh, my series, uh, Let's Talk Life with David Francis, starts on the 3rd of July, and he's based in New York City. And he's come out, and I, 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 I really, I don't want to say too much, I'll ruin my own premiere of the show, because he's come out with a massive background on the virus, and he's contradicting absolutely everything that's been... Ah, yeah, yeah, fair enough, fair you enough, uh, fair enough. But it's twenty hindsight's twenty twenty. It's great now to be looking back at this. Hind- hindsight is twenty twenty. We at, went the end of the, at the end of the day, Neil, you mentioned points that I just... I got to hear the end of it when I was waiting there for to come on air. You were mentioning figures and points there uh, to do with payments or, or to do with people on COVID nineteen payments. On, yeah, COVID nineteen. Yeah. yeah, and I got figures from the second of June because they were the only ones that I could find public by gov.ie. And basically, you have five hundred and forty-three thousand two hundred people that are on an unemployment uh, pandemic payment. You have a temporary wage subsidy scheme where fifty-seven thousand eight hundred employ- employers are registered on, under under that. Yes. And there's five hundred and eight thousand one hundred on that. In addition, in yeah. addition, yeah, so five hundred forty-three. So. And then you have 214,700 on the live register. That's now, right. Three qu- about three quarters of a million on some form of payment, yes, yeah, so? 1.266 million. So? So, 
I, 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 how do you mean so? That to me would be a major deal as to how those people are on it. You've even said it yourself. Should they have to be on it? Should they didn't have any job? They, didn't, they lost their jobs or they couldn't go to work or they had to feed their family? Of course they were on it. Exactly. But you said it yourself. Open up. The whole point yeah. inside in the Open post up. is... Yeah, yeah. Oh, the whole point inside in the post is if they're able to march around Dublin if, and actually the gentleman that was on there, Damien, he mentioned a very good point actually. The, uh, this Black Lives Matter movement, this movement, they, uh, and, and uh, how is it, the protests that are taking place. This is a, this is a fast meal. You have to... Uh, you don't, I don't want but you to agree with how me. Is Black Lives matter, agree how is Black Lives Matter a farce? No, you didn't let me finish. I said the whole thing is a farce. You're coming from the funeral point of view. The gentleman mentioned... That, oh, there was no uh, physical distancing point. at the Black Lives Matter rallies. That's what I mean. Okay. When I'm allowed to finish my statements, I'm a very good speaker. I'm, I, I know, I, but I'm, I'm going to move... No, David. I mean, don't, 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 overstay, don't overstay your welcome now. That's all I'm saying to you. Make the, I need to move on. Make the point. Come on. I certainly won't, and I've made the point. I just have... I have a very, very strong and a very, very negative feeling that there's a hell of a lot more going on in this country than, than what is being made out to be. I also have a very strong feeling that this is, this is a very, 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 very quick decision made by our government to do everything that they did do in the, in the forms of getting millions of tests, Get in the forms, uh, in the forms of getting uh, the masks that they that they've ordered. All this right, is going okay. to be a major, major problem for years to come. You've said it yourself. Right. Reopen, reopen everything. Get the economy back on its feet. It, I don't believe it needed to be at this level. Is uh, this is this a pandemic level in this country? And where where are these numbers coming from? And it needs to it needs to be the data needs to be absolutely a hundred percent for people die from COVID nineteen or from underlying circumstances. Okay, and, all right. And it has, it has to happen, Neil. Okay. And it's, it's only people like you who make it happen. Appreciate and no it, appreciate it. Appreciate shutting it. down people all like right. anyone like no, me. I'm not shutting anyone down. 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 It's just yeah. they're getting an awful lot of time, and I do need to move on, David. But thank you for your contribution. Much obliged. Back after the break, calls on the way. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Tweet the show at Neil Red FM. 104 to 106 Red FM. Text your own thoughts. Text 0868 uh, Willie, good morning. Morning, Neil. Okay, your point on this topic? Um, well, just listen to the debate there, Neil, between yourself and the two lads. I said I, I tried to I come between them before the handbags came out. There you go. But uh, the, uh, just, uh, I just had my own experience last Sunday of, um, of a celebration. But before that, you mentioned there, um, Neil, and I think the lads mentioned it a couple of times, and you asked, you asked the public to think about this one. Should there be one law for one person and another law for another person where funerals are concerned? The main point here, Neil, it's not a law. It's a guideline. Mm. And it's up to the people themselves to abide by the guidelines. Mm. There's no law that says you can't do this. And, I, and I, I, can, I can tell you how you can verify this. A friend of mine died two weeks ago. I didn't go to the funeral because of the guidelines. Because I, I, was, I assumed there was 10 people. I think there was 10 at the time. The funeral went ahead. I spoke to members of the family afterwards and they told me there was over 100 people at it. Now, they're socially distanced, but there was over 100 people at it. Outside. Yeah, well, that, and that's perfectly fine if you're outside and you're staying well apart from your own little group. Yeah, yeah. But this, this was at the church. Yeah, but not in the church. No, no outside, outside the church. Outside, yeah. yeah. We were, where the usual proceedings took place and the coffin was brought out and yeah. people were there to see yeah. the coffin being brought out. So it was the same as any other funeral, except people were... Two, two meters apart. But there was a hundred people at it, so they didn't break any law. It's a guideline, and that's what the, that's what the, 
the whole thing is about guidelines. Now to follow on from that, Neil, if I could, I was at the ceremony myself last Sunday morning in tribute to Gala Hawken. There was one held in the Mayfield Gala station as well. Yes. And there was um, a minute's silence there, wasn't there? There was a minute's silence and there was a priest there said a few words and there was a few words said by the sergeant in charge, the sergeant Dave Noonan. Now, it was totally responsible, Neil. Sergeant Dave Noonan came out before proceeding started. It was in the car park, there's a car park outside the, um, outside the gas station. And he does, I'd say there was probably, I'm not good at figures now as a gas crowd, but I'd say there was probably 30 to 40 uniforms. About a dozen of the retired members in another section, and about 20 members of the public. And by the way, one of those members of the public had his right colour. I heard you mention it. Where mm. to go? He had his right colour. And another, another fellow had the, the cop jersey. Mm. And I think they, it was at the Roscommon Yard, maybe the Mayo jersey. Mm. Mayo, so Mayo, yeah. yeah, well. yeah. I, I thought that was a nice touch as well. Yeah. And for 20 members of the public to be there, and about 30 or 40. At the start of it, Sergeant Dave Noonan came out, stood in the middle of the car park, now he says, there are strict rules and regulations for this. He went around personally. You see, what happened was the guards' uniforms were lined up in a circle outside the guard station in the car park, leading out onto the main road. And he went around and walked around that line, that convoy of, of, of uniforms, and physically made sure they were all two metres apart. Good stuff. So Glad to hear it, Yeah, no, that's good. That's good. David said, David said, I've seen countless videos of the Gardaí paying their respects up and down the country, like the one you've described there to their fallen brother, and he says, rightly so. But while many of us have lost brothers, sisters, fathers, mothers, our own heroes, so to speak, we were directed by the government and authority to have more than no more than 20 or 30 in some cases in attendance see, and over the yeah. you see, you see you're, 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 you're going over the line again you weren't directed you were given guidelines and it's up to you to abide by those guidelines nobody can arrest you for being less than two metres from, from your friend it's a guideline it's up to the public to respect the guidelines gotcha. in, in, in respect of their friends and themselves so there's nobody can be arrested there was no laws broken but like, the, 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 I, I, I got, like to refer back to me if you want, I thought it was excellently run. It was brilliant. It was a great turnout. It was a smaller one than Anglesey Street, but that was a bit of a mix up. I spoke to people in the house after and they said the one in Mayfield was arranged first out of respect. And then the other one came on, but so many people knew about the one in Mayfield that they decided to go ahead with it anyway. Yes, okay, so good point. Some people said they would have right. loved to go to Anglesey Street, but they, because this one was already organized. It looked beautiful, the Anglesey Street one. I saw some video footage and I saw some photographs. Okay. All right, thanks for that, Willie. Pat, good morning. Uh, good morning, Neil. Okay. Uh, first of all, just like to convey uh, sympathies to all the serving members of the guard and retired on the death of their colleague. Well said. Yeah, and and 40 years, next week, 40 years ago, there were two two Garda murdered within five miles of Castlereagh. Five miles. Their names were John Morley and Henry Byrne. There's a bank robbery in my hometown called Balladrine, and the squad cars in Castlereagh. 1980. Rob- yeah. 19, 1980, 7th of July, 19, <coughs> 1980. And the, guy, the robber's car came out of the town, which would be on the main Dublin Road, turned due east. Now, just remember due east. They were about four miles out of the town, the robbers, when they decided to turn due south. The squad car was coming from the west, and these would be roads that would intersect main roads. The squad car decided, because they knew the area, to turn north. 
both cars met on a road that's only you can pass one at a time. Nearest thing as a description, Neil, would be, do you know if you go out the Lee Road and just before you come to the Anglers, there's a little bridge, you can see the water, yes. and it'd be very bad. That would be now the nearest thing that you could describe. Mm-hmm. And both cars were murdered. Just out of the car, both cars were murdered. How? How, how were they killed? Yeah, they were killed by the robbers, automatic fire. John Murray was armed with a newsy submachine gun. He didn't get a chance to get off his shot. The cars literally stopped within 20, 30 yards of each other. Met head on. Um, the only reason I do it is to remember them. John Morley was the young guard who was sent to Balladrine. My father retired. He was his replacement. The irony of life and became like a member, a member of the family. And both, both died on the side of the road. And it's just in their memory. I know it's been a sad week, but if I can tell, if I can finish you off on a funny story, my father's guard for 40 years, and Douglas Hyde, who is the first president of Ireland, has a residence, again, very close to the spot we're talking about where these murders took place. And he came down to spend Christmas as a residence, and my father was detailed with another guard, go out on his bicycle to seven miles from the guard station, and to guard the president. So both guards got ready since 1939. Mm. And out, out the cycle, the seven miles, put the two bikes under the, the palm tree and stood under the palm tree. Now, there's no port to cabins, port to lose, any port to thing. Well, there would be two port to guards or two port to bicycles. So Christmas Eve wore on and the president came out with two bottles of stout. And he offered one to my father. But my father was a numb drinker at the time. He enjoyed a drop after he retired. The other man's name was Cawley. And Cawley took the bottle of stout. The president took back the second bottle of stout. <laughs> but what Cawley did not say to my father, I couldn't say it on the airwaves. You couldn't print it. And they spent Christmas, Christmas Eve night under a palm tree because he was, as he said... You were better with none than one. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought, I thought yeah, I would. He wanted the second bottle that, so he could have it himself. Think about it, you know. I love so it. I thought it finished on a lighter, on a lighter note. Okay, that was nineteen eighty. That was nineteen eighty in County Roscommon. Nineteen eighty, and it two members of the Guardi. And can you imagine two guards going up to two batons to guard the president and stand under a tree overnight? With nothing more than a baton, you're saying? Nothing more than, than a baton. All right. Nothing more than a baton. Thanks an, empty bottle, an empty bottle is stout. Good luck to you. Take care. Thank you, Pat. Dave, good morning. Morning, Neil. How's things? Okay. Uh, obviously, um, it, it's a, a very delicate subject, you know. It really is being um, a member of the force slain uh, in the line of duty. But your thoughts? Well, I watched an ass on the, uh, on the RT on the RT News Now channel on Sunday morning, the full mass. And uh, from my own parish now here in Hollyhill, like, masses for the past couple, there's a lot of people have died in, in our parish in the last two months. Uh, and, um, you know, the guidelines were only for 10 people up to, up to two weeks ago. But the priest, the parish priest would normally, before the mass, he would just ask, he'd look around the church and if the people were standing close to each other, he would just um, politely ask them to social distance and that would be it. Uh, as the last chapter, there are only guidelines. But um, at the mass, the gas mass on Sunday morning, um, I was told in the back couple of days that there should be no concelebrated masses on at present during, during this pandemic and this, these lockdowns. There should be only kind of one priest during the mass. Yeah. But there were six priests on the altar, and um, and the six of them were next to each other. They were standing like two feet apart. Mm. So, like, I mean, they're telling the 
the congregation and one one master this social distance. And these priests, what, what did again? Like, yeah, he, yeah, I know what you're saying. Kevin Douglas says it says a lot about society we live in today when there's an argument on live radio and it's about how many people attended a slain Garda's funeral despite the circumstances and not how about, not about how Garda was murdered in cold blood when he was, when his gun was emptied of its 15 bullets and four of which hit him, says Kevin. Yeah. You know, that, um, well, well the, the guy lands up present for, for a funeral at 25. No, uh, and it's not. It's not what goes. It's not. Yeah, but that's yeah. that's inside a church. So yeah, but from what I from what I can see, I, I, I no, did, that, I did the, no. The point is, and David is entitled to make it, and even though people would disagree with what he's saying, perhaps is that hypo- this is hypocrisy. It's do as I say, not as I do. Well, I, I, as far as I can see on the television, at the church, there was there was there was more than twenty five people in the church. But then, having said that, if the, a lot of them probably were families, and families can. Stand alongside of each other. I mean, there could be four people outside each other, and they're from the one family. No, so yeah, the court- yeah, yeah, no, I'm not talking about inside the church. He's talking about the cortege and the following of the, the court- 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 yeah. things like that. Yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. And, and, and just, just one thing of concern that I spotted in the echo, the echo last night, the Maldry Arena, a sports arena, as far as I know, is opening next Monday. Yeah. Swimming pool. And there was an article last night telling telling how how it's going to operate. Gyms, swimming pools, hotels, yeah, but, pubs, hairdressers, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but listen to this. They said they'll, they'll be 40 pe- only 40 people allowed in the swimming pool at any one time. Now, a 25-metre pool, I presume that's the size of the pool, 25 metre, and 40 people in the pool, and you can only have, you can only have 50 people in St. Coleman's Cathedral in Cove at a mass. <laughs> that makes no sense. No, that, <laughs> it's on the other side. It's on the uh, tell Brenda or Mark. All right, okay. <laughs> you couldn't make it up. Thanks, Dave. One eight fifty one zero four one zero six. We'll pick it up with texts after the break. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. Eighteen fifty one zero four one zero six. Red FM. All right, just quickly uh, on uh, this morning's conversation. So far, people in authority should always lead by example. If they don't, they aren't in authority. They are tyranny, says Paddy. Distance my arse. There was a football stadium full of people with no masks at that funeral it is, was even on RT and then people give out about being in a plane with high level filtration systems and everyone is made to wear masks the funeral uh, to me looked like a disaster. It says a lot about society we live in today when there's an argument on air about how many attended a slain guard's funeral uh, Liam says I agree 100% with everything that David was saying yeah it's a very delicate topic of conversation as considering the circumstances in which this man did, died and what he did um, and uh, you know the, the job that he actually did. Really guys this shouldn't be discussed, let the man rest in peace, have respect for the family. Uh, talking about physical distancing there is there's a farmer's market in the city every week and no social distancing is adhered to i've had a heated debate with the owner there last saturday there was at least 200 people at the farmer's market bumping off each other anthony says there seems to be different rules and different regulations and different guidelines for everybody there are different laws for different people a third level student is and always has been treated differently by the law says anthony others would say it was the same with regards to the traveler funerals of late and now um, some people uh, questioning the amount of people at the funeral of the slain guard at Cullum Hawken. If just one of the thousands of guardy who turned up at his funeral uh, had been with him when he was shot dead, he would still be alive. This is a very long w- th- there's a very long way to go in this country. We do not, as a nation, seem to be making any progress at all on law, order. On the law and order front, 
in this country alone. Um, interestingly, just very quickly, just ahead of, of the news, this is um, a, a quick piece from Orla who sent me a little audio bit. She says, I wonder if anybody can help me. I'm living in the lock and at 20 to 6 in the morning, Monday morning, we were woken to these sounds. I know bonfire night is today or tonight and some kids may have been prepping in advance of the fireworks, but I'm 100% sure or 99% sure perhaps that this is the sound of a gun. I'm hoping it's fireworks, to be honest, but it just doesn't have the same sound as fireworks. Perhaps a gun expert or somebody else might be able to shed some light. This is the audio of which he thinks may have been, in and around the lock area where she lives, the sound of gunfire, 20 to 6 in the morning, early Monday morning. Hard to know, isn't it? What do you think? Text 0868104106. Anybody else hear that? Anybody know what it was? Back after 10. The Neil Prenderville Show. With Tesco, we'd like to ask all our customers to respect our dedicated times for our over 65s and family carers. You can text 0868104106. Pick up the phone. Give us a bell on 1850104106. Margaret, good morning. Good morning, how are you? I'm well, and listen, uh, before I say anything, my condolences on the death of your mother. My, I was very sad to hear at the yes. age of 88. And, yeah. and I would like to give my condolences as well to this Garda who died the other day in those tremendous, those awful circumstances. Um, I, I have tremendous sympathy for him and for his family listening to all of this now because we shouldn't be in this place here where we are comparing funerals. But that is where we are, unfortunately. Mm. Um, no, I, I, and it is very delicate, and I thought long and hard about it, but if somebody gets in touch with me on a, and has a point to make, I feel it should be heard, and then if others disagree with it, they should have an opportunity to disagree, notwithstanding the tragic circumstances in which this guard had died, and nobody's taking from that for a moment, you know? Your mother, um, unfortunately, was one of those that actually passed away from COVID-19, am I right? Okay, well, she was there one moment ago and not there now, but that's the joys of live radio, I suppose. Perhaps we can try and endeavour to get that line back because I am keen to talk with you. Are you there, Margaret? Yes, I am, yes. My apologies, yes. I lost you there for a moment. Tell me about your man. Yeah. So my mother ended up in, in our local hospital um, in, in January and unfortunately she contacted COVID and died from COVID um, on the 21st of April. Her birthday was actually last Friday night and we were trying to obey all the rules. So we had two parties for her as such on Friday night. We had a few grandchildren that lived locally in the garden in my house and her, her children were in the garden in her house. So that's the way we were trying to obey the rules for my mother. And then, unfortunately, you see a big funeral on the television on Sunday and you say to yourself, what are you doing? Mm. Why are we obeying all these rules? Mm. Um, and... For my mother's funeral, we were only allowed 10 people into the church. Nobody was allowed to walk behind the hearse. That was absolutely not. So she had her seven children and three grandchildren in the church. Her son-in-laws and daughter-in-law all had to sit in their cars in the church ground. They were not allowed outside of their cars within the church ground. And in the graveyard afterwards... Only seven people, her seven children, were the only seven allowed into the church. Are, are, the, are, are, the, are the recommendations 
maybe you might use the word restrictions. That, that's up to you. But are the recommendations even more stringent for a COVID nineteen passing? COVID nineteen passing? No, 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 no. Because we had, we have had uh, a few um, local um, ladies died, and um, no, they're not because they would have had a very similar funeral to to ours. Um, the only difference that the COVID would have made would be that we couldn't have had my mother uh, in an open coffin and back in her own home, whereas other people could have had yes. theirs. If there wasn't COVID, they could have had them in their own homes, laid out properly and had that bit of it private. That's, you know? You're right there. That was the case with my late yeah. mother-in-law, wonderful woman. And uh, she, she, hers was not a COVID-19 death. So you are right yes. in that regard. But with COVID, yes. closed coffin. Yes. And I, I, while I don't mean to pry, but were you able to visit your mum over the, the last few months of her life? The last day I was a designated person to visit my mum. So the last day that I actually got to visit her was the Saturday before Mother's Day. Um, And then the whole place shut down, which was, they they had to do that. In fairness, I don't have any problem with that. Um, But then towards the very end, we were allowed to look at her through uh, a glass window, an open door. There were double doors and we were able to look at her, but we weren't able to go in and be with her or anything like that. Could she see you? But I suppose that's, no. 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 She was unconscious by the time we got to that stage. She was end of life care. But I suppose that's not the point that I, I want know, to talk I know, about at I all, know, really. I, I suppose the, what I want to talk about is that I was just so, like, the, I was just so disappointed to see, in one way, such a big social gathering for one funeral and then an old lady who died in a nursing home not allowed the same, now she wouldn't have had the same funeral, but you know, she should have been allowed maybe to have her grandchildren or whatever at the funeral. That her, so that her life mattered rules, less, is if it? You can, yes, if you can break the rules for one funeral, why can't you break the rules for another funeral? You see, there's, there's an amount of text coming in saying that, and I'm just summarising them, saying in circumstances like this funeral, we should all just look the other way. I don't think so, because COVID doesn't go away. You see, that's the unfortunate thing, is that this virus doesn't know that this that, that, that one funeral was of one type and the other funeral was another type. The virus knows nothing. So or maybe it's not even just, about the virus. It's, it's respecting it all... De- virus. Or is it about but respecting it all deaths equally? Well, it's a, it, yes, it's about... Res- no, I think um, it's about the virus as well, because that's why we're doing this. We're all... The reason why we all had small funerals was because of the virus. Yeah, but Black Lives Matter's protests that we saw them, they didn't, they didn't um, engage in much physical distancing, you know? We see that. Uh, a lot of and, people, and a lot of people not. in supermarkets don't. Queuing for well, lead Linaldi specials, they don't. The Black Lives Matter's um, protest that was on in Dublin, in fairness to them, didn't expect it to be as big as it was, and they didn't go ahead with their second one out of total respect for COVID and for everybody else. Mm. Mm. You know, yeah, yeah, and in, and they all had masks. In fairness to the people who came to the Black Lives Matters protest, they had masks. True enough, true enough. You describe you, you describe your mum as an amazing woman. She a Cork woman? She was. She is. Yes, yes, yeah. and she was an amazing woman. She was a wonderful woman. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Well, and, so and, I suppose that's really all I really wanted to say was that old lives matter you, as well, uh, yes, and people in nursing homes who hadn't seen their relatives um, deserved to be able to. If if you can have a big funeral for one person, you should be able to have a moderate funeral for somebody else if that's what they really want. But bear, bearing in mind, this was a guard who was shot in the line of duty. 
uh, COVID doesn't know that. Yeah. Okay. That's why we're all doing this. And will you and mark that? Will you mark the passing of your mother at a later date with family we and will, friends? When, when, when we have we have a few grandchildren that are abroad, and as soon as they are in a position to come back safely, um, that they don't have to worry about social distancing and all the rest of it, we will of course mark my mother. Okay. And what was her name? Do you yes. mind me asking? Uh, Mrs. Hart, Betty Hart. Betty Hart. Well, yes. she rest and we remember peace. her every single day of the week. We remember my mother, so okay. we do. Lovely talking yes. to you. Thank you so yes. much, Margaret. Yeah, okay. Take care. Okay, thank you. Bye-bye Cheers. now. Text 0868 Pick up the phone on 1850-104-106. Um, yeah, I'll, t- I'll take a break, actually. I'm going to catch up with different things, and, and some of it is, is, is quite serious and others of, of a lighthearted nature, but that's the, gen- that's the general way that this program actually um, unfolds organically. And I had that sound earlier on. Remember that sound? Some people thought it was a, it was a sound of a shotgun. May have a solution to that in a minute. Talk to Neil Printerville now. 1851-04106. Red FM. Teacher says, teacher says, please stop giving out about teachers and SNAs. It seems like a personal attack on us every time people do. We take instruction from the Board of Education. We do not make the decisions. We follow directives. I'm an SNA and we have filled out guard vetting forms at the beginning of lockdown for redeployment, but we were never contacted for redeployment. We were willing to do our part, but the decision makers couldn't put any guidelines in place to go with regards to safeguarding the children and the staff. They were ready to work the SNAs. They filled out the forms for redeployment, but nobody redeployed them. I'm absolutely, and I'm absolutely positive that you, your team, and many of your listeners will be aware of the many examples of the following. The overwhelming majority of teachers that I know personally are happy to admit in private that uh, with that which cannot be uttered in public for obvious reasons. What is this open secret I hear you ask? Teachers of every ilk are quite aware that their degrees are golden, shiny tickets to the first-class carriages of the legendary gravy train en route to the land of milk and honey. In private, they will openly acknowledge that the pros of their vocation far outweigh the cons. They are happy to accept that their holidays alone are a perk of the job, of which the hoi polloi could only dream of, while the great unwashed labour in the minds of the private sector, these bourgeoisie d- dilettantes suckle at the teat of the public sector and go fat on the ambrosia earned through our toil. So far removed are these teachers from the natural order of things that, they're the, the, that, they, that they are the only genius of man who have mating and birthing seasons which revolve around their overly generous holidays, said Richie and Toker. That's quite flowery, but he's, he's, he's alluding there to the times of the years that teachers get pregnant. Um, you know, to, to not, so that they don't impact on their overly generous holidays. So thank you for that. Um, pick it up after uh, the next couple of calls with an awful lot of text. But just on, the, on that sound, Jer. Jer. Hello. Can you hear me all right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. So you, you heard the sound that I'm referring to anyway. What do you, where, where were you and what did you make of it? I was down in Hargan Sheehers on the site of 20 to 6 yesterday morning. And I heard the same sound, but it was definitely a fireworks. The sound was definitely fireworks, you know. How do you know that? I uh, you know that was the sound of the fireworks, you know. At twenty to six in the morning. Twenty to uh, it shouldn't have been at twenty six in the morning, eh? But it was definitely somebody leaving off a fireworks somewhere, you know. Okay. Um. You 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 know that it was a firework and not a shotgun. Why? Because you know the difference in the two sounds. Yeah, you yeah, you would you kind of know the difference in the sound, you know. Okay, thanks for that. It's amazing. It's actually amazing the amount of people that heard this. Mary, good morning. 
Where'd you, where'd you hear, were you, do you live in the lock? I do. And was it a 20 to 6 in the morning? I don't know what it is for yeah, the phones today. Yeah. Can you hear me? Yeah, then? yeah, sorry, go yeah. ahead. Yeah, um, exactly, yeah, 540, yeah. I don't think, oh, it definitely wasn't a firework. I can't say it was a gunshot. Um, it was just a different noise completely. I have no idea what it was. Here's one. Don't give up my details, but it was a fireworks display because it was right in front of my bedroom window at 5.41 a.m. We heard the explosion. We hit the floor um, and saw the fireworks. It was the first time I've ever seen fireworks in broad daylight. Uh, and the rain was horrific at the same time. We had thought that there would be no noise from students as they wouldn't come out in the rain. But there they were again. It was students who let off fireworks at 20 to 6 in the morning. That's what it was. Oh, definitely. I wouldn't have 100% thought it was fireworks. How he knows it was no, students, I, I don't know, but that's what they're saying. I this wouldn't guy. have thought, um, I really wouldn't have thought it was a firework. And I have dogs there and they'd be petrified of fireworks than they weren't. So, I would definitely say what is a firework. And what are you I saying? That it was a... I don't know. I, I, I don't know. It was just a strange bang. It was different. I don't know. I couldn't say what it was. Okay, thanks for that. Some people were suggesting it was a crow banger. You know those crow bangers that farmers have? In fact, there was a case there some, t- some time back where a, a farmer was actually shot because apparently he was driving so many nuts with the crow bangers. They used them to keep crows away from the crops. But, a, but a, actually, a crow banger sounds like this, apparently. Hard to make that out because that audio is actually taken of a crow banger standing right next to it and the sound of something like that would be very different from a very different from a distance. Finn, good morning. Good morning. How are you? Good. What do you make of this? Was it a shotgun? I know it was definitely fireworks, and um, to the fact that we pinpointed where it came from because there's uh, I'm not going to go at them because they're entitled to have a bit of fun, but it was students behind us uh, went down because I thought it was they, were, they 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 have this happy knack of bouncing a football up and down the other stupid o'clock as well, but it was definitely fireworks. Yeah. You saw them. No, I didn't see them, but they went off and I got up and then somebody said later on in the morning, it was some idiot that was that there were houses overlooking the lock, it was fireworks. Okay, yeah. that they were partying all night and setting fireworks off at 20 to 6 uh, they've, been par- they've been partying for weeks, but you know, they've been, they haven't been doing much damage and where they got the fireworks in lockdown, I don't know, but fair dues to them, they went down in the broad day. You sound, you sound quite tolerant of their carry-on living in the lock. Um, do you know... The thing about it is, is it's, it's not all of them. You know, we're lucky where we are in the sense that we have students all year round and you wouldn't hear a peep out of them. But because of this, there's one or two houses that have been partying morning, noon and night. And we found out recently that they are actually moved in from houses within the city as well. They just got a place to live when they're students. And, you know, we're, it's not as bad as College Road, uh, but it's bad at times and they, they, the music is loud. But look... You know, they haven't done any damage, but like going out at that stupid o'clock in the morning and setting off fireworks was a stupid thing to do because they were wasting the fireworks because it was daylight anyway and it was raining. So, you know, it was just an idiotic thing to do. Yeah, that's what it was. Are you aware that residents uh, who are driven distracted by all of that carry on have actually taken their campaign to the door of a landlord by the name of Fuckna O'Reilly, who rents out a number of properties close to UCC? Well, the English reported in the Examiner on Saturday that members of the Residents Association staged a silent and peaceful protest outside his home. Well, well, I don't agree with them um, with the the, the twenty four hour parties which have been going on. But they they think going to the landlord. Listen, in lockdown, if if somebody can make a, make a few quid, they're going to make a few quid regardless. And he he had property and he let it out. And it's up to like I I've said it and I've listened to to you and I've listened to other shows. 
it's up to the people who are in the in the flats or in the apartments to be a bit responsible. But sadly, are 18 and 19 year olds responsible when they've been in lockdown? You know, I don't condone the behaviour, but you could see it's going to happen because when when we do get back to a sense of abnormality. There are going to be parties anyway, and are they going to still protest because they're wasting their time in my eyes? Well, I don't know if they're wasting our time because apparently no, the, the, the landlord then arrived at the particular property they were unhappy with. He arrived there with a van and he collected several bags of empty cans and bottles and he collected several wheelie bins full of stuff. So the message does seem no, to get yeah, through. No, but I'm saying in, uh, they're wasting their time in the sense that when college, when we get back to normal, there's going to be parties every night anyway. And are they going to be out every night when they're doing that? Because there's going to be a lot more students coming to the town when the college is open. Fair enough. And it's just, you know, it's, it's a case of, but luckily, Touchwood, we're okay where we are for now. But, you know, that's, that's the way things happen. But okay. there was definitely fireworks the other morning. Okay, anyway. it was fireworks, but it wasn't champagne bottles for the lotto winner or anything like that. <laughs> Watch the space. <laughs> All right, thanks for that, Finn. Meanwhile, I'm writing to regard the house party allegations against students living in the College Road area. I am a student studying computer science in UCC. I also work a job to pay for my college fees during the college year. I'm working part-time, and for the summer, I'm now working full-time. A month ago, I moved into my current accommodation in the College Road area. I'm from Carlo. So thus, I don't have the option to stay at home. I live with two roommates who are also, like me, at the moment, working full-time jobs. But since we moved into our accommodation, we have been met with distaste from neighbours. We consistently receive dirty looks. We have been photographed. We have been video recorded walking up our road. On the rare occasion where our days off match up, my roommates and I sometimes invite some friends round for drinks. We sit out in our back garden, abiding to all of the current government restrictions currently in place. We have a maximum of six people over and we sit two metres apart. This has caused issues with neighbours, resulting in them calling the guards to the premises. Overall, living here while working a stressful full-time job is very uncomfortable and, for me, in Cork, a very unsettling experience. We do not feel welcome here, even though we are all rent-paying, law-abiding residents. Hope you get to read this out. A student living in the College Road area. From Carlo and working full-time. We'll come back to all of that after the break. The Neil Prenderville Show on Twitter at NeilRedFM. All right. Uh, many, many emails and different topics of conversation, including Morris, who says the COVID holiday, he calls it, was an excellent opportunity to pe- for people to take stock of their lives and instigate real change in their mind-numbing routines and the infinite distractions we had in life before all of this. He says the rat race was put on hold for a while and people did without their sophisticated and expensive lifestyles. Do people really have to be in the barbers or hairdressing salons every month fussing over their hair? Do they really have to go to the pubs and drink? Do they really have to go to a restaurant and eat? COVID was a blessing in disguise for people to give them a chance to consider where they are in life and make a change to get off the merry-go-round. Well, there's some sense in that, really, that we may well reboot in many things. But I think the uh, the you know opportunity to go out and meet friends in a pub or go out and have dinner in a restaurant or have a bit of lunch with friends, I think pe- many people are looking forward to all that. As to whether I'll ever get my hair cut personally again, I'm not quite sure. I don't think I would bother. Uh, but that's just it. I still would like to go out and meet people and get back to the way things used to be in many ways, maybe not in all. Uh, anyway, your thoughts on that are, w- are welcome. Mind you, uh, Sean says, I would love to know why people are so hung up on the Taoiseach using movie quotes, poets and singers. I, su- I suppose I should know the answer regarding yourself. 
when I'm listening to you. It's like Sinn Féin FM. <laughs> if you think my program is Sinn Féin FM, then I've done a very bad job of it, I can tell you that. Anyway, as long as the quotes actually mean something and make sense, which they do, who cares where he got the quotes from? You have a duty as a presenter to tens of thousands of people and elsewhere to do a duty for instance, you read a text from a woman who is struggling as regards where in the roadmap there is help for people caring for the disabled children, of whom some are adults with elderly carers, and all you did was read the text, but then spent almost an hour on mustard, dogs and bloody ice cream vans. You're so quick to knock the Taoiseach, try to help out the most vulnerable with your platform and spend some time on... Re- on real issues that matter, says Sean and Cargilline. Well, I like those kind of texts because I like to be challenged in that regard. When it comes to my children meeting their grandparents, since the 8th of June, when we could visit their houses, they also have been hugging. My parents are, aren't over 70, don't have underlying conditions, so we made the decision together. I don't hug them or anyone else, bar my immediate family. I don't shake hands. I keep two metres distance from strangers, but it's more like one metre with family and friends. My children have met some of their friends. Before phase two, we were very strict. But since then, we've eased up a bit. But we still aren't being reckless. And we're being more realistic now. So they hug their grandparents. I have a family member who had COVID-19 in a care home and has recovered. But I do understand how bad it can get. But at the same time, we do have to get back to some normality now while being cautious at the same time, says Gillian, who says that when her children meet their grandparents, the children hug their grandparents. Well... I'm not here to be policing your life for your lifestyle. I was only making a comment as to what we were told was safe and unsafe. And as far as last time I checked, um, hugging was unsafe. But with regards to children, Ian, good morning. Hey, good morning. Now, uh, next Monday, creches open, right? Um, well, yeah, for, for most creches, uh, last week we received word that our, the creche our daughter attends will be closing um, for good. Have they said Why? Um, I've heard from the people that work there it's because they can't get a valid fire cert and it's actually been going on for about two or three years with creches closing. It's nothing to do with pod systems and the COVID crisis. It's nothing to do with any of that? No. Okay, okay. So it's because they couldn't get a fire cert to meet insurance needs, is it? I think so, yeah. But I've checked online for the Tussler reports and um, there was a report in 2019 and 2017 neither which mentioned anything about but the, but the search and the fire thing is is this is this being enforced now because of the pages and pages of regulations that have been given to crashes it would appear so yeah that, <coughs> sorry excuse me that Tesla has <coughs> have to implement these rules and they're closing crashes um, because they can't comply with the rules but even crashes like our one has been open 17 years without any incidents and they must be heartbroken the crash owners are they and the staff <coughs> Yeah, the staff. I mean, there was twelve people that worked there. Um, they were they were distraught. So yeah. Um, what are you going to do? What's the plan now? <laughs> that's that's the problem. Um, they think that about two two to four percent of crashes won't reopen on the twenty ninth, as they should, because of this. So that's two or two to four percent of kids now trying to get into crashes that are already full capacity. Yeah, that's a that's a very small proportion of them if you compare it to the amount of businesses that won't reopen. Two to four percent is yeah, small. Yeah, well, I think it might be, it's probably over that if you look at, going back two years, I know my aunt worked in a crash in West Cork and that low for a similar reason. And that was in a, a town that had two crashes. So then there was absolutely no capacity for the other crash to take all the kids from the 
from the crash to close. And are you are you working, or both of you working? Were yeah, you... we both worked from home through the entire crisis, and it, it's quite challenging, obviously, you know, trying to do a full day's work and mind is eighteen month old. So, what effect will it have on your on your job, both jobs? Um, well, until we start something else, I'm going in in the afternoons at the moment and working late, and she starts early and works till lunchtime. So we'll have to keep doing that until we find another place. And have you uh, been looking for other crashes in the area? Oh yeah, of course, yeah. But you see, obviously, it's a very bad time to close the crash um, because with them reopening on the 29th, it's only for essential workers. And then they'll reopen in July for everyone else. But obviously the crashes don't even know how it's going to look. So they're very skeptical and taking But the ones that... Yeah, but the, the, is, is it the case that the ones that you've been asking are full, is it? Yeah, so far. So far, yeah. And how many families have been impacted on the closure of the crash that your child is going to? Um, according to the last Tusta report, there were 60 children there. So that's 60 families and 12 employees. Wow, that's a tough break for you, isn't yeah. it? It is, yeah. So you're going, to have to continue, you're going to have to continue to work from home for the foreseeable future. Is that possible? Yeah, well, just about. Not for too long more. <laughs> yeah, we'll have to manage this life. But um, the bit that kind of annoyed me about it was that, like, you know, these, these rules and regulations are absolutely fine, but there's no support for crashes if they don't comply. There's, there's no grants or there's no schemes or anything like that. So you have... You just, if you can't body. comply, you close. That, uh, yeah, basically you close. And most questions are obviously rented, you know, on their lease. So it's up to the owners of the building if they want to comply or not. Yeah, there, there's, a, there's a meeting today, I believe, in Oroctus Committee of um, COVID-19 uh, and childcare providers and unions are there. Point being that the childcare provision is going to come under scrutiny for the exact reasons you're talking about, that it's there, there are too many rules, regulations to be followed when they reopen. Isn't that the case? I, it would appear to be, yeah, because it's... You know, it's absolutely, I have no problem at all with closing a crash down unilaterally if it's children's neglect. But when it's a crash that's been open for 20 years and all of a sudden then they don't comply with something so they have to close, I find it hard to understand how you can't work around that problem. Yeah, how do you, how do you work around the problem of trying to keep children separate though? Oh, well, that's that's another, <laughs> not a, you know, I mean, if you can't comply with fire rules as they are before COVID, I'm not sure how we're going to do that with punks. Pods, okay. Right. Everything. okay. Me, you know, I, I don't even, like, to be honest, for me, I don't think they can even do the pods because, say, with, with kids under a certain age, it's three to one. Um, and normally that means there's nine of them in a room with three adults and they're all mixing. So if you have a pod of three with one adult and that adult needs to go to the toilet or have lunch, then the other adult comes in to... to let uh, me let me ask that question and get a sense actually from a crash that will be reopening. Thank you for that, Ian. A crash that will be re- reopening, uh, I guess, on Monday. Ollie Sheehan is Mary Geary's crash. Ollie, good morning. Is that a big crash? Good morning, Neil. Yes, um, I think the last time I was on, which uh, you described this as a super crash, and I thank you for those words. We have, uh, like, at present, we have two hundred and seventy children in our care. On on on, you know. So um, yeah, we would be probably considered. If not the one of the biggest in the country, you know. Okay. So, okay. You know, and again, remind people where is the crash? We're in Carrigtool, Mary Erie. Right. I remember. Yeah. I remember. Yeah, I remember. And uh, wh- what plan have you in place now? Okay. Well, Neil, I suppose at the start of this, when we started planning, I suppose we started planning for reopening the day that we closed. And the most important thing, there's, there's three things, right? First of all, is that it's keeping the children safe. 
keeping the staff safe and that we don't, we, we reopen as without a loss, right? You know, that we're not losing because we reopen, right? So, give you an example, right, about what, um, what we're doing about keeping people safe and keeping children. First of all, it's, it's not recommended to social distance for children under six years of age, right? So, but, for example, Ian that was on there last, you know, I just caught the, the tail end of it, but I agree with what he was saying there at the end. This idea of a pod and dividing a room in two, we, we, made, we asked about insurance, uh, our insurance company, and we asked the fire officer about how that would work, you know, if you divide a room. And I, well, well, I'd put it like this, we didn't get a warm response about it, you know, right. about the idea. So what we are doing... So yeah, because it would inhibit people's ability to get out of a building fast yeah, enough. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So what we are doing, we've decided we're going to our rooms, if you want to call them a pod or a bubble or whatever, but our room becomes that isolation area, or kind of what I say isolation on its own. It becomes a pod in that you have two staff. We're all of our rooms, like we could sometimes, other times during the year, we might have more, we might have three staff in a room, but we're limiting it now to two staff and we're going to apply Tusla regulations on ratios. That's what is recommended. And what's the ratio? Two staff to how many kids? Two staff, for example, if it was a baby room with babies under one year of age, that would be six children, right? If it was full-day preschool children at, say, four years of age going to school in September, that would be 16 children with those two staff. Right. Right? So that's they, they would be the ratios that we would be talking about. Now, the idea as well, Neil, is that we, we're not going each room... The, the people the, the, the people that are working within those rooms... Um, those professionals are going to remain in the room where possible, right? They won't, they'll have the meals delivered to the rooms. They will have access to fridges, to for milk, for whatever, toasters, microwaves. We're putting those in place. Right. So everything is available. So no Within the room and the 16 yes. kids. Yes, right. exactly. And what and are they wearing, the two staff members, can I ask? Okay. Well, what, what we've, what we're actually doing is, again, you know, if, for example, again, it's not recommended to wear a face mask because the children actually are attractive and they actually want to physically see what you're saying as well as play with the face mask, right? So we're against that. But what we've done, which is maybe unusual, is that we're doing a change of the almost an identifiable color for each day of the week, right? Say, for example, so Monday is blue, Tuesday is purple, Wednesday is red, and we're back again to blue on a Thursday and purple on a Friday because you have your 48 hour, you know, and we're, then people take home their... their, their blue what? Masks, is it? No, blue, no, no, sorry, blue clothing. Like the uniform, right? The, the, the clothes... What's, well, okay, I didn't think I'd be dwelling right. on this, but I'm just kind of quite right. curious. Why, why do that? What, what do the colours matter? Okay, well, we've, you know, to make sure, you know, that there's a 48-hour carryover with the, you know, with the COVID, that it, that it may be on a surface for 48 okay, okay. hours. Okay, that's to rotate the clothing so that it's packed so up for a couple of days. So then you change the clothing, yeah, yeah for a, exactly, okay. and, and it's taken home and washed, and then we are sure that everyone is... So within the know, room then, with the two staff members, they can't go out, it's self-sufficient, it's got toasters and fridges and water and food, and they stay in there. What if they need to go to the loo? Yes, well, that will be, each room has its own, look, we're in a building, there's two things. We have um, sufficient toilets per every second room, right? So, like, they're for adults. So, like, I mean, we have, a, we have a toilet that would only be used by four adults, and those are designated now to those two rooms, right? 
and uh, that's the way that works. And as well, I suppose we're fortunate in that our new building allows parents to access those rooms directly from the from externally in the building. Like they don't ever have to come. Well, you to seem to have there. an incredible build that many creches wouldn't have at all. How are other other creches won't be as be able well, to be look, as diligent they, as you? I, look, they're not as lucky or as fortunate as we. I suppose a lot of places in from a structural point of view. But like, what the key to this meal is doing your risk assessment, right? For example, you know, if you have to go to the car park, everything is risk assessed from the minute you go out to the car park to collect the child to the time the child is going back again in the evening. Uh, so you do your risk assessment and you identify a danger and you try your best to minimise those dangers, you know? Yeah, how do, the, how do the parents get the child over to you then? Okay, well, say for example, in our group now, for example, they will come to, we have a little garden outside of each room, individual, like fenced-in garden. So the parent will come to the gate of that garden area, which is, uh, and, and they will hand over the child. If the child is the younger child, the child like a baby, the child, the, the parent, if they want, can wear a mask with the staff. The girls here, the old professionals, won't be wearing masks because we're, we're worried in case that may frighten children and things like that. So parents are, if they want, if we would be encouraging them to wear a mask while they're, while they're in the process of handing over. So uh, masks and things, okay. Yeah, yeah, masks. And then what we want to do is like simple little thing. I spoke to someone who you had on there a couple of weeks ago, Avril, Avril Sheen, Avril Keen, about her, 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 her service. And, you know, she recommended, you know, we're going to get these bubble machines. So the basic idea is, is to make it as least traumatic as possible for all involved, parents, children, our own professionals and um, our services provider. This is going to be a major challenge. And I suppose on that, Neil, is that like, is that funding is a major issue, right? How would I put it? I suppose I might put it in a way of saying that, you know, we'd all like, you know, it's like comparing a ladder with a Mercedes. Every one of us would like to have a Mercedes, you know, and the government are providing funding for, for a ladder. And yes, they want us to deliver Mercedes standards. Okay, right? and what is so, your understanding of children who seem to be less prone to catching the virus? But, you know, what's your understanding of whether they can get coronavirus, pass it on to adults and things like that? Okay, there are two things. We're, we're giving the option to parents. If parents don't want to come back immediately, and they don't have to come back next Monday. And, and they, some of our parents, we're lucky, most of, most of our parents, a large majority of our parents want to come back. Uh, immediately, but the ones that don't, and that's for different reasons, they're not coming back. Maybe some of it might be an underlying, you know, condition that a child might have or something. But we're we're retaining their place for them until the first of September, and then they can decide what they want to do. But right? do they have to now, pay up now, even though you're holding no, on? To them? Well, no. What we're doing is we're we're probably going to do a kind of a maybe about like a two thirds fee or two fifths. So, like, maybe it might be a uh, 30 or 40 percent retention on fees. You know, on, the play, on the place, yeah on, yeah. on the place, right? So, we are, no, we are very fortunate as well, Neil. We have a big, long waiting list. Even tomorrow morning, if we were opening, we have parents that aren't with us at present that are looking to get in here to us, right? So, we may be a little bit fortunate and unique in that. But we are still being loyal to the people that have been loyal but to us. But will you go back to full numbers you did, say, this time last year when you reopened? Okay. Again, we will follow government guidelines. And if the government guidelines allow us to go back to where we were last year, 
we will do that, but only in the considering with the consideration of the safety of children and uh, and the, and the safety of the professionals working here. Okay. You know? And on Monday, is it for everybody or is it for just uh, a particular section of society that can avail of crashes? Okay, we we sent out a survey about ten days ago uh, to our parents asking them who wanted to come back, and as a result of that survey, we were able to I say to tell everyone that wanted to come back could come back. Some services are starting with just emergency staff immediately, yeah. right? Yeah. And our those are frontline frontline workers, uh, but we are fortunate enough to be able to to offer it to a, 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 anyone that wants it. Uh, any family that parents want any to just family, go back yes, to their own jobs. Exactly. And when yeah. the kids then, just finally, I know I've asked you a million questions, but when the what? 16 kids are inside in the room with two te- with the two staff members, yes. there's no physical distancing going on there. there there's yeah, horse play no. and there, there's close no, contact. Actually, well, what I would say, there is physical distancing between the adults, right? For example, a very small little thing. Give you two very small little examples. Uh, the adults would be expected to physical distance and, and we have, we put three in place yes, but I'm talking about the kids amongst themselves. No, we have not. We're, what we're hoping to do is we're, we're going to be creating play areas, which you would be doing anyway, and children generally play with the things that interest them. So they may stay within, but during the day, yes, children will mix. But right. two very small little things, right, I'd say, is that, like, for example, we'll have a designated person to answer the phone, a designated person to use the tablet, right? It won't be, they'll be swapping over and back with the phone all day. That's not going to happen, Right. And I suppose one other thing today, Neil, and I heard Ian there earlier and yourself mentioning it about the Iraq Special Committee on COVID-19 response, right, is on today. And, you know, we have, there's two very, very important things I'd like to say about it is that, is that what's been forgotten in all of this is special needs children, right? They've been off since the 12th of March. They've had no, we'd have... Okay, I've been criticised of not covering that topic often enough, so go on. Okay, well... Until you know, we've, 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 we have been asking and basically begging. I'm part of the Federation of Early Childhood Providers, right? And we have been asking, pleading that we would be allowed to take back special needs children. Their, their schemes finished, will be finishing on Friday. And we are reopening on Monday. But we are asking the Taoiseach to do and the Minister, the Minister for, for Children and Youth Affairs is to put the funding in place to allow those children to come back to us for the summer, first of all for their development, secondly to give parents who've had, you know I can only imagine how difficult it must have been to be on lockdown with a child that you know, a young child that cannot understand it, you know, so that's, that's critical that this happens, right it's very, and if we were allowed today to go into the Oireachtas Special Committee on COVID, we would be making that case very strong Okay. But unfortunately, okay. they don't appear to be listening to providers. And with that said, we have two Cork men today, Colin Buck and Michael Collins, flying the flag for Cork today, and I hope for Cork providers at that committee. And we hope that they will raise the concerns that the providers have. Okay, I'm, I'm happy to talk to anybody who wants to speak more with me with regards to kids with, with special needs. But just, yes. will, will crash prices go up now as a result of all of this? Okay. The answer is short term. The answer is no. Okay, uh, we are not increasing any fees. But giving you all right, a very simple little example: the government have they've said they've invested enormous amounts of money in the last number of years. An awful lot of that money has to be spent on administration. Like in our service here, we've gone from maybe a few hours 
a day with administration to maybe almost two people full-time administration, right? So this it's wrong that the money has to be spent on administration, not in providing a better service to the children and making this, this service more affordable to parents who are, I fully appreciate, hugely pressed. It's not cheap. It's like a second mortgage. And it's absolutely the, the funding models that the government are talking about are just crazy. They're not listening to the providers. They're not listening Why, what are they giving to, to crashes? What, what financial help are they giving to crashes to okay. reopen? There's a scheme, for example, all right. Well, now, for example, there's a grant that's available for, there's a capital grant if you need to buy extra equipment to avoid a room or to avoid play areas. Or maybe you might decide, that, look, you've 19 times less likely to contact COVID if you're outdoors. So the secret is we're very lucky we have three and a half acres of outdoors. I know, but how much money are you talking about in this grant? All right, you're talking about, there's two separate grants. There's a capital grant of 10,000 euros, yeah. right? But giving you a simple, a simple little uh, idea, we will be spending somewhere in the region of 200 and two, over 200 euros a week on hand sanitizer, right? That's what it's going to cost us. So you multiply that up from here. So just take it out of your profit margin. There you go. Yeah, right. Exactly. You know, well, look, that's, that we're willing, we are not expecting to, all we're trying to do is to ensure that we don't have a loss right here. It's not, it's not profit here. We're talking about, most providers here are talking about survival. And this is the part what we're talking about, you know. Okay, so let me, let me, okay, let me then have an opportunity because yours is a super crash, as I say, it's very large. But let's get an idea or a feeling from other crash operators who operate on a smaller basis with lesser numbers. I'd be interested in doing that. Well, good luck for Monday anyway, Ollie. Yeah, Fair play. Could, all right, thank you very much. And I could just give you an idea as well, Neil, about the smaller providers, right, as well. Because I'm part of this federation, the Federation of Early Childhood Providers, right? Is that, for example, if you're a small service and you might have, you know, 22 children or something, right? And, and, and if, if you don't have all of those children in, then, you know what, it then becomes a real difficulty to financially survive because if you only have, say, 17 or 18, then that's the balance between you making a loss and breaking even, right? You know, so there is, there's wonderful small providers out there who are struggling and are trying so hard, like it's all, to do, all, do their very best, right? And, you know, they need to be considered as long with everyone else, but certainly, you know, uh, everyone needs to be listened to. Okay. As, as well, you know, that's where, actually, Neil, one small thing before go, I would, I just uh, welcome to yourself when all of this quietens down, Maybe for your show, if you want to do an outside broadcast from to come down here to us, you're more than welcome. If you promise none of the kids, if you promise none of the kids are crying when I arrive, you make that happen. I'm sure they'll smile when they'll see you. That's right. Well, then I'll be there. <laughs> okay. Okay. Cheers, Ollie. Take care. Ollie Sheehan has uh, Geary's crash in carry tool. Big one up to 270. I'd heard figures of 350. Um, so it's an incredible layout and very well, well laid out. And I don't think every crash in the country would have the facilities where they have where you have access to each and every room. Um, independent access, entrance and ex- exit. Lines open on that in one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. Just very, Just very quickly, just a quick call from Pat. He's been holding an age. Pat, you have safety tech, is it? Yeah, good morning, Neil. Okay, what do you do? So, we look after compliance with fire alarm, emergency lights and fire extinguishers and fire training. So, with all of the new guidelines now coming in from various government departments, including TUSA for kids, uh, you guys are popular, you're in demand, are you? We are, Neil. I've been out in the last two weeks, I visited four or five different creches that weren't customers of ours, and we've given them advice in relation to the new regulations, how to upgrade 
we haven't we haven't got work off all of them. But I'm, what I'm offering today is that if if, if some crash owners are in are in difficulty with with the regulations, I can go out visit site and help them through it at no cost. And what are they being told to do now? Okay, so you'd go out to a wreck at no cost and then discount the work if you get it. But what are they being asked to do? Crashes ahead of reopening. A lot of it's in relation to the upgrades of existing fire alarms and emergency lighting that a lot of them aren't up to standard. So they're being asked to have have, have all their, their fire safety in relation to the emergency lights, fire alarm extinguishers up to standard. And why haven't they been up to standard all along? I don't know, Neil. I can't comment on that because with their, 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 they want our customers. So we're just helping out. A lot of them haven't been getting visit, visits. So... We're just there to help out. I just, I just said, I, I've, I've, I've got two or three customers that I've helped out in the last couple of weeks that are our own customers. But I, 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 I can hear the, the plea from people ringing us looking for help that don't understand when they get the legislation in the post. They got this legislation that's almost like a booklet, and they're wondering where to start. And then they'll Absolutely. get a, and they'll get a visit at some stage to tell them whether or not they can or not reopen. And a lot of them don't know what to do, so. That's what we're trying to do, help okay. people out. Okay, core company there available to um, um, visit and do a recce on site. Absolutely, yeah. Give we don't always do the work. Sometimes they've done electricians that would do all the install work and we're just quite happy to work along with them. No no issue. Super offer. Okay, that's uh, Safety Tech Fire, is it? That's right, Neil, yeah. Available where? Online, is it? Well, we're we two offices in Middleton. We're Middleton and Cork City, so online, safetechfire.e or our offices, 021 4808542. Good place to start. Thanks, Pat. Appreciate it. Much obliged. Thanks, open one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. You can text zero eight six eight one zero four one zero six. Just a fast one ahead of the eleven o'clock news is unfortunately becoming a regular occurrence around Cork and surrounding areas over the last year or so. And it's a topic much discussed on your radio program too. But just this evening, Wednesday, 17th of June, 18 minutes past six, upon arriving at my local supermarket, I usually park in disabled bays immediately outside the door, as I am a holder of the disabled parking permit because I have multiple sclerosis and mobilize with the use of a crutch. I can't walk very far, and on bad days, I need two crutches. Well, this evening was a little different. All the spaces were taken. So I said to myself, okay, no problem. I'll just wait. So I circled around and still no space. I said I checked the window of a particular taxi for a blue badge parking permit. Lo and behold, none visible. Taxi in disabled spot. I parked in a space close by when it became available. And I said I'd wait for the taxi driver to come back. He arrived back about five minutes later with the trolley to the boot of his taxi, which is immediately in front of the disabled parking sign, as seen in the video I've sent you. So I confronted him like as if it was impossible for him not to see the disabled sign. It's not something I would usually do in confronting the person. But until you need to use a disabled space for health reasons and you're struggling, there comes a time when you just can't stay hush anymore. So I asked him, are you the holder of a blue badge disabled parking permit? And he said, no. Why? I said, look behind you. There's a disabled parking bay sign. You don't have a badge. Why are you parked here? Um, the shocked look on his face. Oh, is it a disabled space? Sorry, I didn't know. Sure, my wife has a dis- disability, he says. I'm sorry now, but if that gentleman's wife has a disability and he shops here, he should know these are disabled spaces. I explained why being able to park close to the door is important as I can't walk very far. And he laughed. He says, I understand. 
Clearly he doesn't understand, and I hope his sickness never visits this man's doorstep personally, as he too may someday need to use a disabled space. In fairness to the managers I met on the way to the front door, they were very apologetic and asked if the gentleman was still there. They both went out. I don't know if they got a chance to speak to him, but I was angry, so angry with him that I walked away. Staff in the store have always been very helpful and have brought my bags to the car for me on several occasions. But this carry-on needs to stop now and be enforced and spaces watched. Um, be it in the form of signage warning your car that will be clamped the next time or a fine to be paid. Um, or indeed, even calling the Garda Shikona, which would be sad as they're stretched to the limit at this time. Says Patrick, the ongoing issues regarding disability spots and I suppose to a lesser extent, um, you know, parent and baby spots outside supermarkets and shopping malls. Back after 11. Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville now. 1850-104-106. Red FM. We teamed up with Inua um, to give you an opportunity to make a great escape from the home into a hotel for a weekend. And we've got some great two nights away in different hotels that they own. They've got nine different hotels, Killarney and Kilkenny, Sligo, Athlone, Limerick and lots more besides. So these involve... Uh, weekend break and two night break for two people including breakfast and a three course meal on one of the nights and for me this morning between now and midday today I have a five star experience in the heart of Killarney to give away and this is the Mokras Park Hotel and Spa so it's a beautiful beautiful hotel it's got the spa, tea rooms, bar restaurants, all sorts of things like that and beautiful grounds as well down in Killarney so you can win that between now and midday we have enlisted, you know ask Audrey from the Irish Examiner well, we've, and also from the podcast that you hear on air here, we've enlisted Ask Audrey's Reggie from BlackRock to run you through your paces. There's a Cork question that will be asked uh, sometime between now and midday today. If you know your Cork credentials, if you know the answer, then you'll get your passport stamped. and You'll be heading away for a weekend break. And uh, between now and midday, it is Muckras Park Hotel and Spa. Okay, so what you're listening out for is this cue to call when you hear it again sometime between now and midday. Have a listen. Hello, Sock. I've developed a test for Corkness. And he has developed a test for Corkness. And I have the question which I will pose to a lucky caller between now and midday. So you're listening for this. Hello, Sock. I've developed a test for Corkness. When you hear that again, get on the phone, one 104 106 uh, be call a nine and uh, we'll see how you get on in that regard. Now, lines open 1850-104-106 and our lines are open for your convenience. With regards to creches opening on Monday, uh, if you have any uh, thoughts on that, comments, texts or opinions, do get in touch. Avril has care a lot, childcare. Morning, Avril. Good morning, Neil. How now, are you? What will happen on Monday? Creches will open for all or is it only for certain people? Open for all on Monday. Open for business, like normal. Okay. And is there confusion over it? Are you all sorted now? Do you know where you're going? Well, there's a lot of confusion amongst providers, basically in relation to pod sizes, not getting clear guidance from the department. Um, There's The grants came out yesterday, the capital grants. Some of the providers around the country couldn't get onto the application form. All the automated filled-out cards, some information was wrong. They couldn't change it. Now, in relation to the grants, Neil, it depends. You can get up to 10,000, but it depends on the amount of children that were on the different schemes in January and February. 
So it starts from 2,000 and goes up to 10,000. So every service is different. But in saying that, if you get, if you got your application in yesterday, if you were one of the lucky ones, it is going to be yay or nay on Wednesday and the money should be transferred on Friday. Well, why now, why would people be getting money on Friday to open on Monday when the work needs to be done yesterday? Absolutely. Absolutely. So if you didn't have a few pounds in the bank, because remember, Neil, yes, we're always giving out we're not funded properly. We are cash-positive cash, cash businesses, but it means what's left over at the end of the year isn't good enough to pay us a proper salary for the qualifications and the work that we actually do. So like last night now, I actually went into that service that closed down in Cork. I got a phone call on Thursday that I could go in and take what I wanted out of the service. This is our okay. Denza childcare, is it? Yes, and it was such a, so, such a sad situation. And, like, I, you know, this is how I kind of operate my business. I got fantastic shelving units. And I, uh, I was outside in the crash last night with my husband was 20 to 10 putting up new shelving units, you know, for more storage for, like, blankets and cot sheets and all the rest of it. And this is the thing that we're giving out about. We are not being paid properly to pay. You know, I was out there until 20 to 10. Yes, it is my business. And I'm going to do everything possible that the safety of the kids, the safety of the staff, and that parents okay. are nice and calm about bringing their kids and back. And you have to get that right. Okay. And, and morning. But okay. I literally, the, when, the minute the lockdown happened, we went to work on the crash. And I was one of the fortunate providers. And there is hundreds out there that are not in my position that I was able to do work. And I partly guess outdoor will become a huge part of it. So we put up canopies, we extended mud kitchen areas. But this was at a cost of probably 7000 to me. I was making it up the other night. Now, that grant is coming into account of providers' accounts on Friday, the lucky ones that are after getting it to fill out the form properly, to have that work completed to open up on Monday. So they either it's had to have the money themselves or get to their, their, their bank to divvy up the dosh yes. in a loan or something like that? Yes, yes. Or they could um, have, or, or if it wasn't their building where they were renting or leasing, would it be a landlord's requirement to do it? Mm, I'm actually not too sure on that now because I have my own business and I like I own the property. Okay, well, here, 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 this may cast some light on it for you because our Denza said, and this is a letter that they believe I believe they sent out to parents. They said such works would involve significant alteration and extension to the building. We've been in contact with the owner of the building and have outlined the nature and extent of the works which are necessary. Unfortunately, we were informed uh, that it is not their intention to undertake such works due to extensive nature of the works and the considerable cost of those works. Um, and uh, so therefore, the building won't be fit for purpose. Um, they so isn't that very sad, Neil, on, on their part that they've been in business? Have they been in business about 15 years? Not quite sure how long, but they said that they did try and find a different location in the area, but were unable to find suitable premises. So they sent out a letter to the, the parents saying, I'm terribly sorry, we're closing. And Neil, that won't be the first letter the parents will be receiving from service providers. There is, I think what's being lost here as well. 17 years to answer your question. 17 years. Yeah. 17 years. Yeah, I know it was around 15. Like, that's a long time. You know, someone set up that business with the love of kids and to provide a good service. And, you know, started and probably grew that business over the years. And for that to happen... It's very sad. Like the staff were really upset and management were really upset. And the majority of the girls were saying they were taking a break from childcare because they were finding it so difficult. And within the last two years, just 
there's so much pressure in regulatory bodies coming into the service. You know, there's four or five different regulatory bodies coming in. And the paperwork, it's no longer about the kids. Yeah. It's about crossing the T's and dotting the I's, which is very, very sad because I didn't get into childcare to actually do paperwork. How I many parents are coming to my kids? How many parents are bringing kids back Monday with you? Now, Neil, all last week I was providing a counselling service, is what I would put it down to. Basically, you know, to reassure parents that every provision was being taken to be put in place as well within my service. So basically, I am opening up with all my families coming back by three. So three of those parents said they want to hang on and they want to wait until September to see how things fare out. And you know what? Who blames them? Yeah. I certainly wouldn't either. But that's only you know, three. That's all of the others are happy to... But I'm very fortunate because I'm a small rural setting. And you see, when you hear the Department of Education and the Minister with an agenda of publicising or making all the, the childcare publicly available, they're going to be shutting down small providers like myself in rural Ireland that are providing an amazing service to the people of the community because if I shut down in the morning where are my 50 kids going to go? They're going to go to the next village and they do, they haven't got the resources to to provide extra places for the ECC scheme and stuff like that so that's the next problem you're going to run into so then the, the public services will become bigger and it's like a cattle farm you know what I mean? It's and what, um, I mean? What, what, what questions are parents asking you? What worries do they have? They're, well, in relation to me, they're asking, how am I implementing the pod system within the service? Now, I can't implement the pod system because I'm too small. So my baby room, as I said to you before, has three babies. So you're allowed eight kids in one pod. So my max in any room is eight anyway. So it's considered a pod. It's just a fancy name. Like we're given guidelines, but we're not given direct, this is what you should be doing. But are parents asking you, will my kids be mixing with other kids? Will they be up close? Are they asking you, will they be two metres apart? No, they would know. How will they be fed? None of that. No, no one has asked me that. And they do know. How are you going to um, social distance kids? They know that it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Do they ask you about whether or not your staff have temperature checks or whether their health is... Well... I actually sent out documentation to all my parents on relation to their temperature. The staff temperatures will be taken in the morning when they come in. It's documented. So will the kids' temperatures be taken at the gate before they come in and everything. And I worked very closely with Ali Sheehan actually in Carrick Tool and Gillian Powell here in Bandon and the Federation of Early Childhood Providers in coming up with this documentation to help providers to put an action in plan. And that's what we're after doing. Uh, we submitted it to the department um, and it wasn't even acknowledged. Now, we represent nearly 1,600 providers, private providers in Ireland. And that's very sad that they're not listening to Maybe they'll be listening today, though. Maybe this committee meeting will take note. I hope so, because of that last night with the Eractus that's going on today, we submitted another Eractus report as well in there, and we weren't asked to go into the committee, you know, to speak. And we only realised yesterday there's no actual private provider represented in the Eractus today. Okay, how much are you expecting by way of that grant? Um, me, myself, I think the capital grant I'm entitled up to 4500 and you have to state on what it's um, being spent on, which I did. Um, but I've already spent, so I have all the receipts to support. How much do you think you spent in total? Oh, about 7000 So you'll only get four and a half of the seven. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Okay. So it is very sad, and it's putting a lot of private providers, small providers, in a very vulnerable position. 
very vulnerable position and you you know I think there's 72 centres already after being reported to TUSA that they will be closing down that okay. they're not opening up alright that's unfortunate that's, that's a lot. so okay. we'll become it'll be like the American model we'll become like a desert childcare system where you'll have pockets of childcare in big public funded you know centres and the rest of will be just desert yeah okay. you'll be travelling for your childcare ok further to go that storm, yeah? hopefully you will good luck on Monday thanks Avril ok thank you Neil bye bye care a lot childcare um, you know also bingo's coming back I got Brock Bingo were in touch this. So the reason for the email is we do live bingo from our hall in Toker on Wednesdays Fridays Sundays from 8 to 9 o'clock anyone interested uh, in online bingo watching their live streams on their website rockbingo.ie forward slash live people chat away using the chat function in advance of the games and they throw up messages during the game and it's an awful lot of fun and it's very enjoyable. They have customers in their 70s and 80s tuning in now and have learned how to use the internet for the bingo. Um, and it's great to see, they say to me in an email, it's really kept our bingo community connected during all of this. We started this online bingo last week, the last week of March. And it's the most entertaining thing that both myself and my father do. Both of us are customers even, says Philip. We remained closed until the 20th of July. So we have a few weeks left in our live bingo if people want to get in touch. Put me in contact with the woman you had on air because I'd love to discuss this with her and get her connected with bingo. It's bingo with a difference, if you like. www.rockbingo.ie forward slash live from the hall on Wednesday, Friday and Sundays, 8 p.m. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Tweet the show at Neil Red FM. 104 to 106 Red FM. Just as a by the way, if you follow uh, the the WAGs, uh, Rebecca Vardy is uh, looking to face Colleen Rooney in court now. Rebecca Vardy is suing Colleen Rooney in the High Court. Uh, she's launched a one million pound lawsuit saying that she was libeled in the remember the Wagatha Christie scandal? Well, Vardy is gunning for revenge now against Rooney, launched a one million pound high court defamation lawsuit. Uh, you know what it's all about. She's accusing Colleen Rooney of defamation. Colleen Rooney made claims on social media about the leaking of stories to newspapers and all this thing. It was Instagram accounts, handbags at dawn kind of stuff. Mind you. The courts are there for everybody. The Sun is reporting that the two mums have sought mediation to try and resolve their differences, but they're still set for a high court battle. You know, you talk about a million euro, a million pound lawsuit in damages. There will be half a million on both sides each in legal costs here. And, you know, that's always the way. I could tell you stories, I probably will at some stage, about legal costs involved in a in, in, in a court case, uh, which I was through there recently earlier in this year, you got settlements and you seem to believe that you win everything and everything goes your way. And then you find uh, when the legal costs come in, they're huge uh, and uh, they don't all get paid. You know, be aware of that if you ever go to court that, you know, there will come a time that you might have to go to court and fight and win. But if you think you'll get all of the legal costs in that regard, it's a bit of a lottery, let me tell you that. But anyway, that's for another day. I'll tell you that at length at another time. Lines open at 1-850-104-106. You can text 0868-104-106. I feel for poor old Eric. He says, I'm a long-term listener and a big fan and listen to your show every day with my boss, Dan, as we proceed. I love the way he puts it. As we proceed to build the future of Cork. I take pride in my work. It's a tough job, but I'm the right man for it, says he. Anyway, back to the matter at hand. For the past three weeks, there have been more and more stray dogs hanging around Pierce Square and Balafihan, but last night, it all went completely pear-shaped. Uh, I went to Barty's, the best chipper in town, he says, and as I left, I heard growling and sniffing. I looked to my right, 
and there was easily 15 dogs ready to pounce upon me. They chased me out the back of the square down Father Dominic Road and around to my house. I just got in and the dogs stayed there for about an hour. I was shook all night and even leaving for work this morning, I still felt in fear of my life. I'm just wondering, is anybody else experiencing this in the last few days or weeks? Thanks so much. Love the show. says Eric Amani. Um, that's because somebody's feeding them, right? That's because they've got a taste for Barty's fish and chips or Barty's pizza or Barty's potato pies or something. That's what's going on there. And it brings up the point again about feeding dogs from the table, doesn't it? But anyway, anybody else experienced anything like that? One of the stories this morning that just broke is an assault at Railway Street um, on uh, yesterday, actually. This is uh, the Guardian now appealing for witnesses following the assault on Railway Street. It was about half past nine last night when the guards were uh, received a call that there was an unconscious woman on Wail- Railway Street. Now, that's not far, obviously, from Kent Station. So emergency services attended the scene. The woman in her 30s was brought to the CUH with what is believed to be serious injuries. Now, a guard, the guard are appealing for anyone in the area of Kent Railway Station, Railway Street, Alfred Street, Anderson's Quay, between 8 o'clock and 10 o'clock last night, particularly anyone with maybe dash cam footage or anything like that, to get in touch with uh, Mayfield Garda Station. The scene's been preserved and examined. She is very seriously injured at this point, this woman in her 30s. That's a very dangerous part of the city because in a recent conversation I had with a woman who told me that she was unhappy having come back to Ireland from overseas and doesn't feel safe in Cork, she at one stage during our conversation with me, where did I put that? Oh, yeah, she said that she observed... Um, among other things, a couple of addicts, she called them junkies, arguing and a guy got a shovel and he continued to hit a woman around the head with the shovel until eventually he was stopped. All of that was in the same area. So that is an area uh, that has been the subject of problems in the past. I hope that that woman recovers and indeed that she makes a full recovery. But Gardy, you're investigating. Lines open at one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. Um, thank you for your text, which I will come back to again between now and midday. But I'm mad keen to talk to Julie because it's important to accentuate the positive when it comes when it comes to uh, politicians or indeed a letter from the office of the Taoiseach. Julie, good morning. Good morning. How are you? And I have a copy of the letter in front of me, as I'm uh-huh. sure as I'm sure you do. What's it all about? Um, Stellan's teacher, uh, Miss Rehill, in Scullone in Ballincollig. A couple of weeks ago, they were given the option they could write their news as they normally do on a Monday, or they could write to the Taoiseach. And Stellan chose to write to the Taoiseach, and he posted it off the next day. And ever since, we're waiting for the harp to come in the door, and it came this morning. Usually, when I get a harp in the door, it's either a tax bill or a fine or a summons or something. Um, yours yeah, was well, a it pleasant was a white envelope. Oh, you're <laughs> okay. It's the, bra- it's the brown ones you have to watch out for. Exactly, exactly. So, so what, did his, what did his letter say? Was he chatty? Like, was he, what did he say to the teacher? What he said Is he was, there? He is. Do you has want he, to talk to him? Has he got the letter there? He has the letter. Do you want him to read it? Would you mind? Yes. Right. Talk yeah. to him in a sec. Okay, read the right. letter there. Dear Taoiseach, my name is Senan Casey. I am eight years old and I am in second class in Scullone in Barron College. I have one sister, Loheen, and she is six. I thank you for all the work you did to protect and mind our country from the coronavirus. I hope you keep up all the fantastic work. I like that I get to spend a lot of time with my family, but I miss school a lot. 
I also miss Miss Rico, who, I mean, I also miss my Nana, who lives in Kerry, but I know that we must stay away to keep her safe because she is old. Now that we are in phase two of the COVID-19 pandemic, I can't wait until it's over. I have to wait and see my relatives and friends again. Kind regards, sending Casey. P.S. When will children be able to shop in Smith's stores again? <laughs> you have a lovely speaking voice, Senan. Well done. Thank you. You're eight years old, second class, missing all your pals, is it? Yes. And you got a reply from the T-shirt, didn't you, little man? Yes. What did he say? He said that, Dear Senan, thank you for writing to me. That was nice of you. I know this has been a very difficult time, particularly for young people who are missing school and their friends. Hopefully we are seeing better days. Can I ask a favour? Will you continue to take care of your family? Because that is so important. We need all our heroes, and I know I can depend on you. Please say hello to your nana and carry from me, please. With best wishes, Leo Varadkar. Taoiseach. How does that make you feel? Yeah. How did you make you? How did that make you feel when that letter came in the it door? It made from? me feel wonderful. <laughs> oh my! And will you do what he asks? Are you minding your family and? Uh, yes. You're ringing your your nana and Kerry and everything. Yes, I ring to her every night. You're a good little man. So that's a super letter to get from the Taoiseach, the most powerful man in the country. Yes. Lots of excitement. But I know you can't go to school, but surely you're able to play with your buddies around Ballancolic from time to time, are you? Yeah, from time to time I am. And uh, and on Thursday I might be going to Fota with my sister and my friend. See all the, lit- all the animals? Say hello to them all? Yes, because I'm really interested in science. Are you now? You want to be a yeah. scientist when you grow up, do you? Yes, I'm thinking of being a scientist or a zoologist. Or a zoologist. Well, if you're a scientist, when you grow up, you could find a cure for the COVID-19. You could be one of the people who makes vaccines. Well, I think the COVID-19 might be over when I'm a scientist. Ah, but there'll always be something else coming along, unfortunately. And how's Blaheen getting on, your sister? She's your younger sister, isn't she? She is getting on very well. And she always wants to play with me. (laughs) And do you play with her? Yes. And from Monday now, you'll be able to go and see your granny, you know that? Yes, we're going to be going to Baron Skellig's for one and a half months. Really? That's a long time. Yes. You know the beach down there is super, you know that? Yes, we, we, my dad likes going there so much. <laughs> well, I love Balance Skelligs as well. And you'll have a lovely time of it. And uh, it'll be great to see Nana again, won't it? Yes, it will. Come here. Do you like, um, do you like, uh, Rooster's Piri Piri food? Do you like ramen, Asian street food? Does Mammy ever get takeouts for you guys? Well, we, go, we would go into, into the oratory instead to have their wonderful pizza. All right. Okay. The oratory where? In Carcevine. I know the oratory. It's you know, we know all the same places, you and me, you know. We should we should hang out together, you know. I will see you one day. You'll be in Balance Skelligs. 
and I'll be in Port McGee. We'll be neighbours. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, listen, there's a ramen Asian street food restaurant in Balancholic. I want you to stay on hold because I want to post out some vouchers for you and the family to have a bit of a feast, okay? Thank you so much. <laughs> All right, put your mammy back on there, will you? Okay. <laughs> See you later, Senan. Hello. Where did you get him? He's a diamond. <laughs> he is. He absolutely is. But I must say, his teacher, Miss Real in Scullone, is fantastic. It's a great He's idea. A, yeah. What, what yeah. would have happened if all of the class had actually written to Leo? Do you think he'd have written to all of them back? Maybe he did. Maybe he did. Anyway, Senan's a dream. He's a great communicator. Well done. Fair play. Yeah, he said he was going to be shy. You are joking me. Up against him, it's I'm the shy one. <laughs> <laughs> Great letter. Listen, that's made my day. Will you stay on hold? I want to get a postal address. Have a great trip to Ballin Skellings, all right? Thanks so much. Thanks, Neil. See you later. Bye-bye. Take care of yourself. All right, that's lovely. So that's Senan and his mam, Julie, and they live out in Ballincolig. They're out in, uh, where exactly are they? Carriganara in Ballincolig. Great story. I love those kind of stories, don't you? The Neil Prendival Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday. 1850-104-106. Okay, you can text 0868-104-106. I have a Vox for you. Can I get an intro for that and maybe we can get it to air? But you know ice cream vans and kids and stuff and the ice cream van, Mr. Whippy going in and playing the jingly jangly and driving parents mad. Ice cream vans are in our estate too, but I'm more surprised they're running at all during COVID pandemic. I don't think they should be, to be honest. I told my daughter no the first day she asked for an ice cream, but it's getting harder the more times they come in if all of their friends are getting them. Ah, Vicky, would you not let your kid get a little ice cream from the ice cream man? It's all part of growing up. Um, Debbie says, it's, I think it's great to have an ice cream van. My advice is have a word with the owner of the van. Ask him if possible to come either earlier or later in the day. Um, unfortunately, what's happening is some of them are using the same track and you could have two or three different ice cream vans coming in every day. It's so simple, says Sabrina. Just say no to your kids. Uh, let them cry. Do your job as a parent. Teach them that they can't always have what they want when they want. They're going to be told no a lot in their lives. So maybe they should get used to it now. Say no. Give them an ice cream from the freezer. Or make it a rule that you take them to the local shop once a week after dinner to get an ice cream cone from the machine in the shop. Most shops have cone machines now, but I don't blame the ice cream van and the man trying to earn a living. It's you who has the problem. Not being able to say no to your kids. Kathleen says, if you gave in to the crying, what do you expect? People need to get some control over their kids if they're crying for an ice cream. We weren't always given what we wanted when we just because we cried. I have a child too. She doesn't get what she wants if she has, even if she has a meltdown. It's the opposite, actually. You can't blame the whippy van who's only trying to do his job. Louise buys ice cream tubs and keeps them in the freezer. Simple. Sinead says, maybe learn to say no. We can't give in every time our kids are looking for something and let them get their way just because they cry. I'm sure if he called uh, after seven, you'd have other parents given out because it might be a problem with the bedtime of young kids. You can't please everyone in each family. You should have a firm approach with your kids and even put a few ice pops in your freezer and tell them to eat their dinner. They can have one. There are other ways. There may be other ways, but it's not the same. You know, a loop-de-loop or one one of those um, kiddies, even uh, one of those ones, the orange splits. Can't remember what they're called. They're orange on the outside and creamy on the inside. They're lovely. They're grand, but there's nothing like the experience of going out, meeting all your other friends in the park and maybe... Bit of a physical distancing queue with the kids, if possible, queuing up at the whippy van 
for an ice cream cone. There's nothing like that. You know, reaching for something out of the freezer is just not the same. Anyway, it's busy this morning, so let's get back to our phone lines and uh, get another call, a couple of calls on this side of midday. Paddy, good morning. Hello, Neil. Okay, so that was, uh, early on, that was a lengthy email I read out from somebody just incensed and fed up of people parking in disability spots. You wanted to pick up on yeah. that? Exactly, yeah. I, I, I shop in Aldi's in Fermoy, and often I've seen people parking in disability spots and just marching in like soldiers into the to the shop. Okay. No problem. Okay. But I think there is a solution. Like, I'm not disabled, thank God, like, but if I was... Park right behind them and block them in. Who wants to like, who, who They wants can't to, do nothing. They'll who, have to wait till you finish your shopping to come out. And you'd say, like, well, there was no sticker on your window. Uh, like, I, I needed to get in. I needed to be in there as I could. I'm disabled. Just park right behind them. Okay, them so, so somebody with a blue badge parks and blocks off the car parked in the disability spot, goes off and does their shopping, comes back then to a very angry individual... But, and you but, but, tr- throw fuel in the fire and fisticuffs result, maybe. But how could they, how could they be angry? You're, dis- you're disabled and they are not. Do you understand? I do. I saw a sl- you, you blocked them in because you needed to get, that was your space, and they were taking it up, so you just block in their car and you go in and do your shopping. Okay, so your car then, your car then, blocking in the car illegally par- parked in a dis- disabled spot, spot is it, is impeding everybody else then in traffic because your car is double parked? Well, well, uh, well let me just say you're disabled, aren't you? I mean, you know. Okay, well, me. I mean, maybe somebody's done it. I'd like to speak to someone who's done that in the past. Have you done it? I think I think it's the solution, really. Because if if that happened to you, no, Neil, I know it's not going to happen to you. But if you were parked in a disabled spot and somebody blocked you in, like, I mean, what would you do about it? Would you say, like, I'll change my spot in future now when I go somewhere else? So to Isn't anybody that? that parks in a spot without a blue badge, block in their car and go off and do your business. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. okay, my friend, let's see if anybody's done it in the past. Thank you, Paddy. Text 0868104106. I did see a car um, actually park up uh, at a particular supermarket there recently, and it caused an awful lot of chaos because the driver, um, she... Um, just parked a car, obviously didn't look around where she was parking a car, thought it was the spare space, whereas it actually wasn't. It was the entry to the delivery area at the back of the supermarket. So she parked, there was a huge truck inside, had delivered a load of stuff to the supermarket, couldn't get out. Uh, and he was, uh, like, in, in fact, I could tell that he was stressed and he was anxious. He was kind of like in disbelief that anybody would park a car in such a stupid space place, I should say. It wasn't even a space. I mean, she eventually came back and, and took the car away. And in fairness to him, he said nothing to her. He said absolutely nothing. Um, I think they called out something on the tannoy to come out and move your car. You're blocking the entry to the goods in and goods out area. But he, he stayed very calm with her. He didn't say anything. Another person might have had words. He didn't. But you ever notice things then, like you think, you, you know about all of the physical distancing going in and out of supermarkets. I spoke yesterday then about but some people who have never got it. They just have never got it. They're always in a rush and they just don't realise what's going on around them. They don't use the hand sanitizers. They don't take their time. They don't wait. They barrel in past you. And then you see them going in then. Observed a couple yesterday who just barreled right in. No hand wash, no sanitising, nothing. No gloves, no mask, nothing at all. Um, and went straight to the fruit and veg and pawed their way around the fruit and veg. Pawed their way around it. Checking and double checking and picking up, putting down. I said to myself, my God, people just don't get it.
But with that in mind, it's been three months now since the hairdressers and the pubs and the restaurants had to close their doors in the fight against the spread of COVID-19. Many are opening, some pubs, some pubs aren't. They're saying they're not going to butcher their premises with perspex and crime scene stickers. Others will from Monday as June 29th sees the easing of restrictions. Businesses will open. Seamus Whelan was out and about on the streets of Cork yesterday asking people if they intend to visit the pub or even get their hair cut on Monday. Which is Deliverance Day for many businesses. Um, not Monday, because I haven't got a booking yet, but the minute I get one, I will definitely go. My colour. My colour, my coat, and just to sit down. Ha- oh, we can't have coffee, no? Um, I well, at least we can talk. I presume, anyway, <laughs> we're allowed to talk. But yeah, just, just seeing my hairdresser, it'd be lovely. I can't wait to get back to my hairdresser. I have my appointment made um, and just can't think I'll never get in there. <laughs> uh, cut, colour, whatever. <laughs> A miracle, hopefully. <laughs> I can't wait uh, to get back. Um, you miss him, you know what I mean? Um, but we know that it was for our own good like so we're looking forward to seeing them. Uh, wash, colour and blow dry. My sister's a hairdresser but she wouldn't do my hair for me so she stood outside the gate and she mixed the collar for me one day but she wouldn't come in and do it. So that's why I look like I do. My, si- my daughter actually cut my hair and she didn't do a bad job. Oh no, I'm definitely not going. No, no, I'll survive. At my age, she'll look on grand. <laughs> you can see by looking at me, can't you? Can't wait for them to open. Oh, the full lot. Wash, blow dry, cut. Highlights everything. Trying to make myself younger. I made an appointment, you know, I need one. But I don't think I can get one for another week. So, roots, colour, everything, cut. <laughs> Just the overall kind of attention and things like that, so, yeah. Um, my friend's dad's a hairdresser, so he cut my hair. <laughs> I'm okay. <laughs> Absolutely, I've been wanting a haircut for the last four, I don't know how many months, like... 10 months, I don't know, it feels like that anyway. Uh, I, I, I can't wait to go back to the hairdressers. I just hope that there's social distancing, all that. I just want to stay safe as well. Well, I've just met my hairdresser, cycling over to his premises, Fergal of Origin, and he's reopening next Monday, but I don't think I'll be back for a little while. I'd rather wait until things calm down a bit before I get back. Oh, I've missed having my hair cut, my colour done. But I suppose everybody was in the same boat, so we all just got on with it. Um, I suppose we'll definitely plan to get back into the pub again uh, for a few points, hopefully, and a bit of grub. Um, I suppose we'll have to listen to the restrictions in book one for, for the moment, but after that we'll see how it goes and they open it up. Yeah, yeah, I'll be doing the same, I'll be doing the same, but uh, yeah, I know when they open up, all right, but to, to, to be hard to do the sorting thing inside there, I'd say, the whole thing to be... It might, it might be alright just started the night but later on it might get a bit, a bit more difficult we'll say I suppose I'll, I'll go back to anyway, Monday anyway. so we'll see what way this the, um, social distance is by then and hopefully everything will be alright stay safe I suppose I would. no I'll probably want my local pub Blackpool 105 minutes if all goes well I'm not really a drinking man I drive a bus so um well, they will, I suppose, there'll be a lot of people go back to the pub. No, will it be after changing the drinking situation? You know, I'd say it will. I mean, a lot of people now are going to the carryouts and taking home drink with them. They find it safer than not on the road with drinking them. Maybe the socialising part of it is 
where it's going to be cut. I really, you know, I, I really don't know. You just, it's one of those things you'll have to suck it and see. I don't know, I foresee closures in the, in the bars because businesses are going down as it is. And how can they survive this? Because as, as it was, people were staying at home drinking anyway from the prices. Because, you know, things are tough, people. And they were drinking at home. I'm not saying that's okay, but I'm just saying this is what they're doing. And it's going to get that way again. Could you imagine going out on a date saying we've 90 minutes? <laughs> that's right, that's right. I mean, for some, the date could be a get-out-of-jail card. But if it's not going well, at least you only have to endure it for 105 minutes. I was in a pub yesterday. I spent an hour in a pub yesterday. Yes, indeedy. Not ashamed to say it. Uh, nothing to drink there. It was a dry pub. It was uh, Longboats in Ballantemple. I was invited down to have a look at the work they had put in. I was keen to do it to get an idea as to how pubs are adapting. And I saw that yesterday. I'll tell you some more about that when I talk to Longboats, maybe tomorrow or Thursday. But they did invest a lot of money um, and there are a lot of changes. Mind you, I didn't think that it was as invasive as I thought it would be to the interior of a pub. Now, there are perspex and things, and there are tables for fours, tables for six, family tables, things like that, and there's perfect perspex, and of course the counters are a no-go area. There's perspex down there, and there's table service, but they've adapted the business and spent quite an amount of money, uh, and I'm keen to talk to them. And others, actually, if you're in the trade, do get in touch. Text 0868104106 if you want to come on the air and tell us how you're getting on. So we'll pick up on that. But listen, hang on a second. You know all about this now. I said it earlier on, so have a listen. Hello, old sock. I've developed a test for corkness. Lines open. Hello, old sock. I've developed a test for corkness. Get dialing now, 1850-104-106. We'll come back to that in a few minutes' time. Meanwhile, a lot of fun, actually, yesterday, and great fun on Friday, talking about the Cold K and Amy Ring's beautiful book on the Cold K. Um, and it got an awful lot of people reminiscing about the old days and, you know, particularly if they grew up in the area and the warren of alleys and lanes down there. And Helen Powers on the phone. Helen, good morning. So you're, you're, you're Amy's grand-aunt, am I right? Amy's grand-aunt and we are so proud of her. And you had a good she read of the book? Fabulous. Fabulous. And were you, bo- were you born and reared then? Where, whereabouts? I was born and reared inside the Corporation Building. 21 oh Corporation Building. That isn't that the most beautiful bu- line of buildings there? It's gorgeous. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And I tell you, Need, we had the most happiest childhood in that house. In spite of the fact that there were 12 in the family, 8 girls, yes. 4 boys and 2 adults. To uh, mum and dad, and then mum and dad took in my her two sisters, her ch- their children, took them in and reared them. We had my sister that walked in the pa- race paper, Nancy, her two children, Freddie and Blondie, every single day. They were part of our family. We never classed them as nieces or nephews, brothers and sisters. They all, we all put into one. Where did you all sleep? I tell you now, Neil, they could be folding the top and folding the end and the same in the other side. In the bed or, a, or in a bunk yeah, bed? In the bed. In the bed. And we'd be, there'd be more of them out in the front room and on the sofa. Every night? Every night. And I tell you, if my mum's brothers came home from England, they come in. And there'd be a place found for them. Did you ever get, I mean, would you have got a good night's sleep under those circumstances? That would have a great laugh. Did you ever get to sleep at all with, with the we kicking and the pulling? Oh, jeez. I tell you, you get a toe into your ear. You get a, I tell you, you get a, a toe up your ass if, if you are lucky. So corporation buildings would have been probably two beds, two bedrooms. Two bedrooms it? and a kitchen and a small kitchenette. And my mother fed everyone need, everyone that came into that house. There was no one went out hungry. How in the no name one. of God did she ever get a rest? She was the best 
mother anybody could ask for. The best. And I mean that. You would never, ever get a mother like her. She was fantastic. So the city fantastic. and the cold cave and the marsh was your playground, so I suppose. Yes, we used to play, we used to play down the lane, we play ball. I was Kitty Barry's messenger for going to the pub to get the jug filled up. Ah, my God. My friend Betty. Stop now, wait a second. Catty Barry would give you a jug to go to what pub? Denny, he's in the corner. Con Denny, he told me this story. Con Denny used to tell me these stories, but I never met the woman, never spoke to the woman who carried the jug as a child. That's you. That was us. We sat in Betty. And we went in out the lane. We went in out four times a night to get the jug filled up. And, and what would happen? It Was the jug a porter, was it, or what? Yeah, jug a porter. Go tomorrow and tell more to fill that up there. That was Connie Denny's mother. Tell her, fill that up for Kitty. And they'd bring it, you'd bring it back then, give it to Catty Barry, and she'd... And we'd be out sitting down playing on the curb. We'd have the big pole, the rope up the pole, and we'd be swinging on the pole. And we'd be called again. Come here, Wendy. Go and tell her, fill that again. <laughs> and would that be and every night, like all night long? Oh, jeez, every night. Did she give every you a few night. bob for it? Yeah, she'd give us a few sweets or a candy apple. And Mam was okay with that, like, there was no problem. Ah, not a bother. She's like, where we live, Neil, everybody did everything for everybody. And did you ever go into Catty Barry's then and see the characters? All the time, we've been there sitting down with the big road and fire. And who'd be in there, like, all sorts of people, of all ages? Kitty, Kitty could be there now, Bumblebee would be there. Um, <laughs> Who's Bumblebee? Betty, Betty Bumblebee was the one with the big beehives. She'd be in there. Men, all the men would be in there, all the solicitors and everything would be in there. And when the, festa, the film festival was on, you wouldn't know who would be in there. <laughs> They'd all come up and just see Kitty Barry. They'd all be in and tuxedos I'd... inside there, is it? Oh, I had to be limousines and pull up into the lane. Get away. And she'd oh. start, wasn't it crew beans and potatoes and crew things? Crew beans and potatoes and cabbage. And I tell you now, they let them up by they suck their fingers after. Get away. Get I away. swear, I swear, and I mean that now, especially, and like, as I said, you couldn't have had a childhood like we had. It was the best. She'd head off and in I, the morning of a summer's morning to the Lee Bats with a sliced pan. And Lee Bats, and you get a sliced pan of bread and jam. Put your bait and togs in the toes, and you'll be told, come back, I have a sight for your dinner. You're very posh. You call them bait and togs. We used to call them bait and as. As I said, I was a Everything in Cork swimmer. ended with an ad. Did you know that? Baden as. Pan as. I was a fantastic swimmer myself. I had loads of medals. I was monster champion for swimming. Because we all learned how to swim. We had nothing else to do. I don't know how you learned to sp- swim up in the Lee Bass. There would be no what? space. So it was like ants. Yes. And then if we, had, if we had a few bob, then we'd be sent down to Eglin Street Bats. Eglinton that Street. Was, that was posh then if we were going That's there. where I used to go. You have a Monday yeah, night, yeah, off to the chipper after. Because that was posh. And then if, um, if there was someone on, uh, you know, my dad works in the corporation and he might only charge us one and we'd all go in. There was two <laughs> swimming pools in the Eglinton Bats, men's and women's. The boys and the girls. The boys and the girls. They're still oh, there, you know. They just cover them over, those swimming pools. They're that's still under- But come here, who was Buster Deneen then? Buster Deneen, you know the Charlies that you'd be talking to? Yeah, yeah. That's their father. What did he do? He was a docker. And he'd come up home now every night. Then he's bathing tags on him. A speed, I don't know what we'd call him a speed, I don't know, today. And uh, towel over his shoulder. Out into, the, out into the jockey and swim back and forth and back and forth. And we'd be all lined up against them all, all clapping. 
Journey children. He was a handy swimmer, so busted. Oh, he? he was fantastic swimmer. A fantastic swimmer. He jump off the dock key down in the city. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, and he might swim up to the Narke Bridge and back down again to Patrick's Bridge. And what, your, what did your own dad do when you were growing up? Was he working in the docks? He was a lorry driver. Who did he work for? He worked for himself. Get away. So he had a few bob yeah. coming in, so did he? Yeah, oh, gee, as I said, we never wanted for nothing. He worked for, he, was a, he had three lorries on the road, and his three brothers used to drive him, and he worked down the docks for Doyle's Steve Doyle. Ah, yeah, he had a regular income, so with the trucks. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and you were well yeah. fed accordingly and well oh, clothed. Jesus, I tell you, we never wanted for nothing. Yeah, what about Christmas? Would you get much of Christmas? Oh, we get a baldy doll with no hair. A baldy doll with no hair? <laughs> a baldy doll. And we always say that, man, what you gave us for Christmas, a baldy doll. They're beautiful. That's beautiful now. <laughs> and like, other, other children were doll were here, but we had baldy dolls. And was all were all the toys and Santa Claus would get them all from uh, the cold cave, would he? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Because I'm older, and he punch at Christmas. We go out and send the toys. That's right. And they'd be there sending the toys and whatever. Until whatever be going on. Whatever the season them. was, you'd get her in the cold cave at the time. Oh, and yeah. would you gone into the Munster Arcade around the corner, but they wouldn't let you in there, I'd say, no? We used to go and see Santa. Get away. We used to see Santa and Penny's and go, and we used to go in there to see Santa. Or to kill goose in the North Main Street. Monster Arcade, the Queen's Oak Castle, another spot the that was Queen on your doorstep? Yeah, and then kill goose in the North Main Street. It's um, Scott's for tools now. Look up the stairs there and you see Santa. You're an incredible woman, you really are. With so many in the family, in fairness, no one went hungry. It seems as if, and then you grew up yourself. Did you go off to work or what? I went to work in the Sunday. And then I walked there and... My mother worked in the Sunday. When are we talking? Was this in the 50s, 60s? Oh, it was in the 50s. So I'm 68 now next week. Ah, you're only a young one. I'm only a young one. As as my treats, as our treats have said... My sister would talk to know last week with Amy with the book. You were the brainiest one, the bus. You were the one with the brains. It's a wonder your mother remembered all your names, or your dad for that matter. All you did, by, and as I said, Neil, there could be anyone, there could be four, five, six more come, all set to the table. All welcome. All welcome. Open house. Ever. An open house and corporation buildings. Listen. 21 corporation buildings. There was no one ever sent away from that house. All right. Well, listen, I hope to get more stories like yours across the week. I love those stories. Many people listening to as well. Helen, mind yourself, all right? And you've got a great... Thank you very much, Dean. You have a great girl in Amy, your granddaughter, all right? No, you're you're a grand-aunt. My apologies. I'm your grand-aunt, and we are so proud of her that I tell you now, She's a star. She certainly is. And so are you. Lovely talking to you, Ellen Parr, born and reared. Corporation buildings just off the cold cave. Now, yes. last bit of business. Take care of yourself. Cheers. Mike, Bye. take care. Now, well, show me the line there. Can you just move the screen and let's do this quickly? Thank you. Line three should be Emma. Emma, I don't, Emma O'Keefe, is it? Yeah, how are you? Okay, I'm very well. You're caller nine because you heard the cute to call, which was... Hello, Sock. I've developed a test for Corkmas. Okay, so courtesy of ourselves in Ainua, the Ainua Group Collection. They have hotels all over the gaff. I have a break for two people at Muckras Park Hotel and Spa. You and whomever you choose to take with you, you will get two nights with breakfast and dinner of an evening. Do you fancy it? I would love it, love it. Anything to get out of the house and stay in someone else's bed. To run, run out the door. Okay, I have a feeling that you're going to sort this out because I do believe you are from Cork with the Cork accent. So here... Here's the challenge. Are you ready? Yeah. Okay. 
Don't get phased by it. Listen first. Hello, Sock. Is Macroom A, a town on the way to Killarney, B, the name of a traffic jam, or C, an excuse as in he can't help it? He's from Macroom. <laughs> a, B, or C? It's a town on the way to Killarney. <laughs> You're That's sure? Where my dad's family are from. Ah, oh, well, then you would know that it is a town on the way to Killarney and not an excuse for someone who's a bit of a doll faker. He can't help it. He's from Macroom. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, you will be driving through your dad's old town of McCroom, up over the county bounds, down into Killarney for a lovely two night stay in the Muckers Park Hotel. All right? Oh, thanks so much, Neely. Really appreciate it. Ah, but the question is who are you going to take with you? Oh, I'll take my husband, Aiden. I would have thought you wanted to get away from Aiden. I don't know, he's been very good now during the old COVID, so I um, just have to rope in babysitters for the kids. Get it sorted and enjoy, all right? Yeah. Thanks so much, Neil. See you later, Emma. Take, Take care. care. Bye. Lines will stay Bye. open at one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. Text zero eight six eight one zero four one zero six. Get in touch. I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to this Red FM podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and check out redextra.ie for more great Red FM content.